BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. up everybody friday friday let's celebrate how you doing hope everybody's doing well there tony shields rob ellis hanging with you on this second day of february 2024 also groundhog's day tone so <laughs> it's a big deal uh the groundhog did not see Paxatoni phil himself did not see his shadow which means according to some folks that we are in for an early spring early spring if you buy that kind of stuff First of all, well, are, are we still buying that? That's the same groundhog from what God knows how long. Like, no. like, like, are like, I don't are know they, it's the same one from last year. I couldn't even tell you look, anything. Look, look are, are they breeding groundhogs and just putting them in these holes? Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Look, the bottom line is, um, I don't really buy into that kind of stuff. Uh, but um, it was a big deal in elementary uh, elementary school. That sure don't was. understand why it's the don't understand why it's a big deal now. Um, you know, when we have you know, when we have these, so like I don't get it. But overall, look, man, we're here. It's Friday. Let's yeah, when this tradition out. started, we didn't exactly have the meteorology charts and uh and the depth of weather that we do now. But then again, you know, how many times have we have we heard, oh no snow, or it's gonna be this, it's gonna be that, and it's the exact that opposite. Is a good point, so you Rob. never know. You never that's a good know. Point. And that's why you get paid the big books. That's a good oh, point. Yeah. Uh, let's say hi to everybody. Teresa, Jason, David, Eric, Twiz, Flexen and Steppen, James, ARS, William, South Jersey, D. Who else do we have? Lauren. What is up, Lauren? What is up, Richie? What is up, Jason? Uh, M. Reyes. 
just uh, hope everybody's doing well. Crazy with a K. Hope you guys are good. Uh, that's for sure. So let's hit a couple things here, Tone. Um, Joel Embiid has a meniscus injury, initially reported as a tear. They're calling it an injury. Who knows what's real, what isn't real. Um, he was sent back to Philadelphia a couple of days ago after the injury in Golden State. And we don't really have much more than that. Uh, we know the they're still trying to figure out exactly how long he's going to be out, what the, the course of treatment is going to be. I don't I haven't heard anything, you know, anybody mentioned surgery or anything like that. So really, we just don't know. But the thing is, it feels like Groundhog's Day because we've been through this. Sure. How many times? Right. How many times with Joel Embiid? And here we go again. And it's like. Okay, uh, hopefully he'll heal up from this and he'll get back out there and he'll do his thing and blah, 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 blah. We've heard it all before. All right. Uh, this is um, this is where I'm at with this. I want to just go take a trip down memory lane with the, with the general public. <clears throat> In 2014, Joel Embiid suffered a right foot injury that kept him out until 2016. Uh, torn left meniscus 2017, orbital fracture 2018, sore left knee 2019, torn left hand ligament 2020, left knee bruise 2021, multiple hand injuries 2022, left knee injury TBD, and that's the one that we're talking about today. <sighs> Groundhog Day, my friend, just like you said. We've gone through this ring around the rosy with Joel and B so many times, and it seems that we go through the same emotional roller coaster, and we and we like to pretend that it's the exact same ride or a, a different ride, rather. Um, look, I feel bad for Joel and B because he's playing at an extremely high level. He's yeah. the best in the game right now. I don't care what anyone says. He's the most dominant force in the NBA, um, and we're going to be robbed of that because of the injury and the injury history. Uh, obviously, we don't know the extent of it, but, you know, this this is alarming. And we talked about it before we before the brevity of the injury came out. We talked about just look, just shutting him down into the playoffs or to or until he's fully healthy. Right. Um, forget the MVP. Lo and behold, here we are. So now I look at this as an opportunity for Tyrese Maxey to elevate not only his game, but prove that he can elevate the people around him. I'm going to try to find the silver lining in this process because eventually Joel and B will come back. How many games they got left? 40? Like 35 games? Yeah, ish. So, so do we think Joel and B can be back by playoff time? Can the can the 76ers tread water enough to be, I don't know, 35 games left. Okay, 35 games. Can the Philadelphia 76ers tread water long enough so they can at least get us uh at least at the fifth seed? Or uh, maybe a six seed into the playoffs? The answer is I think they can. Uh, I agree with you. I think they can. And so it is where you're going with this. So he sit, basically, the gist of it is, you sit him now, he gets healthy, he's fresh and not beaten down by playoff time, and then you go on a run. Is, is that essentially where what you – is that the silver lining? Yes, the silver lining. Well, yeah, also the silver lining <clears throat> is I look at it as an opportunity for Tyrese Maxey to really – um, you know, uh, really solidify himself as a legitimate superstar in this league. My man just dropped fifty-one last night. Cold-blooded killer. You feel what I'm saying? So I'm looking at I'm looking at Tyrese Maxey as the young veteran 
that can lead this team, and they know he's the guy. So guys like Pat Bev, Marcus Morris, they're going to they're going to protect this kid and 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 make sure they feed him left and right. This is a prime opportunity for Tyrese Maxey, super prime. Because once the playoffs start and Jolie B comes back, that confidence is going to be through the roof for a guy like Tyrese Maxey. Mm -hmm. I understand the injury with Joel Embiid is terrible. We don't want to deal with that. But I'm looking at it from Tyrese Maxey's perspective. I expect Maxey to come in dropping 30, 35, 40 a night. That's that's the kind of guy I'm looking at right now. Mm -hmm. He's that lethal. I, I agree with you. Like, and we'll, let's we're going to get into last night in one second because he is a joy to watch. But the frustrating thing, and I I I am not one who rips and bead for the injuries. I just don't think his body, his his legs, his lower extremities, if you will, can hold up of the pounding of a three hundred, you know, plus pound man in a seven foot two frame. I I just don't. I physically don't think the guy can hold up. So I don't fault him for it. I don't think it's it's because he's in bad shape or any of that kind of stuff. I just don't. Some people are just not wired to be able to carry that kind of weight and survive the pounding of an NBA season. But that said, you know, it, it is frustrating if you're a Sixers fan because, you you know, and I, you know me, I've been on the bandwagon of enjoy the year, have fun with it. Don't just do the wait till the second round thing. But it is frustrating because it seems to happen every single year to this guy. Um the one thing that I would make sure I would ensure that he's right before I bring him back. None of this dragging one leg around stuff. Like you really have to protect him against himself. Even if he feels like he needs to come back because people are talking and all this other stuff, whatever, like hold off. Don't bring him back till he's right. It sounds like, and again, I haven't heard, we haven't heard anything official. They're back home now as a team. They play, uh, when do they play tomorrow? I think they play the nets. I think tomorrow, whatever. Um, he, I, he'll, I think he'll be back at some point this season. And okay. you're right, Tone. It could be a situation where, you know, you hang around if you're the Sixers, and all of a sudden he's not gassed like he usually is by the time the postseason starts, and you have a little bit of an advantage. Uh, you know, I look, it, it's, it's frustrating. If you're a Sixers fan, it's hard to really buy in and commit to this because you feel like you're going to have your heart broken again, and it's the same ending to, to the same movie. Mm -hmm. But – you know, that's that's life with Joel Embiid, unfortunately. And yeah, he's now yeah. missed 13 games, by the way. Yes, and the MVP is off or not. So um, I'm curious about this dynamic. Maxi obviously is going to have plenty of opportunity. Do you think the 76ers should try to ride Maxi even in the playoffs for as much as possible? And obviously Embiid is going to be playing, but do you think they should try to play through Maxi to try to take some load off of Embiid so he can maybe last the entire length of a real playoff run? Do you think they come up with some kind of game plan to try to, again, um, I know Embiid, is, he's going to be a part of the game plan. That's not what I'm trying to eliminate. Yeah, I, right. um, but it's just, can they shift the powers, you know, to more so Maxi's end so he can kind of carry the big fella for a little while until, until he feels comfortable really dominating on a nightly basis. I think what you say makes sense. Uh, here's what I think the byproduct of this, the offshoot of this is Maxie's already an all-star, but that's the other part of this thing. He was, he was uh, selected as a reserve last night and absolutely deservedly. So I'm I'm so glad for him. Um, but that said, I think this can make him even better. I don't even, I don't mean better like skill set wise. I mean, uh, late in games, uh, leadership, mm pulling guys aside sometimes, having to get into a guy sometimes, you know, patting a guy on the rear end, some, whatever. I think from even though he's only 23, from a leadership perspective, this can make him better. 
that's the other offshoot of this. And Bede's well rested, and 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 Maxie's even more of a killer uh, at the end. You know, maybe Tone. I don't know. I just feel like when Embiid's on the floor, you know, everything, everybody else is secondary. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. I, so, I, and, and I totally get it. And I know likely what I'm what I'm talking about is probably a far cry. But you know, yeah. I'm just trying to uh, think of any way you can extend this extend Joel Embiid's shelf life in the playoffs because again he's going to come back but we have no idea if he's even going to make it through the playoffs anything can happen right yeah um you know I was watching this clip um off you know from um, Pat Beverly's podcast he's he, he's actually pretty good at it mm-hmm. um he talked about how this Sixers team is just different how everyone's having so much fun and everybody is so bought into their roles yeah. and how Everyone is truly looking forward to coming to work the next day. It's just a, it's just, it's just a great environment that they're all in and that they're cultivating. Um, I haven't heard a player speak about that environment, speak about the Sixers in that way, in a long time, right? And I think it has something to do with the way Maxi carries himself, the way um, Joel Embiid definitely allows Maxi to flourish, and you know, obviously Joel Embiid is a dominant player. Um, a lot of his, a lot of teammates like Joel Embiid. Um, and also I think a guy like Pat Beverly, you know, he's, he's a guy that just leads, that just leads by effort. I, I and, agree. Um, yeah, I and, agree. and again, we, we talked about this with, um, you know, with, uh, with Keith Pompey, how this Sixer team just feels different in terms of the roles and everybody just seems like they truly understand and appreciate their role and is really bought in. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a big, big, they got good role players who get it, man. All right. So. Uh, Paul Hudrick's going to be joining us at at one thirty, so we'll talk full blown Sixers. But just to reiterate, last night Sixers win without Embiid, which hasn't happened a whole lot this year. Tyrese Maxey, you talk about efficient. So he drops fifty one tone last night, zero turnovers, no turnovers. He's the second youngest player behind Jason Tatum to ever do that. He had fifty one in forty one minutes, seventeen of twenty seven from the floor, seven of nine from three. He came out like an assassin last night. I don't know how mm-hmm. many. I know it was a late game. It was ten o'clock. I don't know how many people you know, on on the East Coast, how many people watched it. But from Jump Street, he was like, "I'm taking this thing over." I know Joel's not playing, and he was flat out awesome. So, total props to him, man. Total props. Um, all right. So a couple other things. Uh, Eagles have requested an interview with Joe Casper. He was the safeties coach last year with the Dolphins. He worked with Vic Fangio, but he was previously here with the Eagles. So this is a guy who they have familiarity with. Uh, this feels like this will happen, you know, because the Eagles will, I don't know. I mean, either the Dolphins will let him be, let him go because Fangio's out of there and they have a new defensive coordinator, or, you know, maybe they give him some kind of exalted title from safety coach that he had last season. I don't know, but it feels like that one will happen if they want it to happen. So, you know, you figure he's going to bring his people here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you can't expect anything less. Um, the Dolphins had uh they had a top 10 defense in terms of yards. Um I think the Philadelphia Eagles, they can use all the quality coaching they can get on the back end. Yep. And um I'm I'm not exactly sure what their what Miami's passing numbers were. Okay, here they are. So okay, so Miami was ranked. Okay, they were ranked 15th in the league in terms of pass yards allowed. Um, uh, that's mediocre. That's straight down the middle. But again, <laughs> that should be the Philadelphia Eagles goal right now to just become mediocre on defense, to just get to the, get to the mean. Uh, but 
you know, they obviously wanted Carl Scott, but Carl Scott is returning to Seattle. Yep. You know, things happen. But, you know, we'll see how this thing goes. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how they fill out both sides of the ball. Yeah, I'm really curious about the offensive side because we haven't heard anything about any offensive staff movement. I'm very really curious quiet. about that. Yeah, very quiet. So let, let me let me throw this at you then. Um, speaking of our Eagles question of the day, which coordinator do you have more faith in mm. that they've hired? Kellen Moore, Vic Fangio. Now, 30 years difference. Just crazy, right? So uh, Kellen yeah. Moore is only 35, Vic Fangio 65. Now, Moore has called plays for six years. It's not like he doesn't have experience calling plays. This is not you know, like, like last year, we had two very raw guys. Fangio has been around forever. Uh, both bring different things to the table. Which one do you have more confidence in? This question is actually not as easy to answer um, as one may think, because both coordinators face a different set of challenges. Uh, Fangio's challenges are more so personnel related. And Kellen Moore's pro issues are more so Nick Sirianni, can I get Jalen Hurts back to form related? So based off of – if I'm basing it off of the difficulty of what they have to deal with respectively, I feel like the logical solution or the logical answer would be Kellen Moore is mm -hmm. the one I have more faith in because he doesn't really have to really consider personnel issues. He's kind of He's kind of really been given, you know – a smorgasbord of options on offense. <laughs> uh, obviously, they got to figure out the running back situation. But for the most part, you got a quarterback. You got you got two number one receivers. Uh, you got a tight end. You got an offensive line, as far as we know. Um, I just think Kellen Moore has a has a. I, I just think Fangio has a steeper hill to climb on that defense. So my faith. It, my faith hasn't my faith isn't not in him because I don't think he can do the job. It's because I know he has a lot of work to do on that side of the ball. Whereas with Kellen Moore, you know, his his issues aren't personnel, so he can just come in and just really focus on, you know, the game plan. So I think I'm gonna have to lean on I, I lean to the offensive side because of the personnel. What about I mean, you? I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I mean, Fangio comes in under much more challenging circumstances. Think about yeah. it. He's inheriting a defense that was in the bottom. In, in almost every key category, points allowed. Uh, they were terrible against the pass. They were awful on third down. Their sacks went down in a big way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, our eyeballs tell us there's not enough talent, you know, beyond the defensive line. There's just not. Yeah. Now, yeah. Th that's where I think, and obviously he's at the mercy of Howie in, in the organization in a lot of ways, but there's no question about it. I, I think he's in for a tougher road to hoe. Now, the good thing is he's seen everything. He's not going to be phased. He's I'm sure he's figured it out. We'd have to go back to all the stops that he's made where he's taken over defenses that weren't exactly great, and he's gotten the most out of them. Do I, I think he's going to get way more out of this defense than he got last year, than they got last year, uh, simply with, with it, the experience and his presence. I think he'll get more out of the defensive line. I think he'll be better at getting after the quarterback. Um, I, I think that they're going to just do a lot of different things. But I feel more confident in Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore inherits a, a, a runner-up MVP last year at quarterback. 2,000-yard mm -hmm. receivers, a, still a really good offensive line no matter what Kelsey does in a good tight end. That's a great start. That Not yeah. all offensive coordinators walk into that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got a quarterback that made the Pro Bowl back-to-back -back seasons. 
So you you have you have something to work with on that side of the ball. Exactly. You know, we, you know people have their opinions about Jalen Hurts, which is fine. Um, but overall, you know, Jalen Hurts is a quarterback that I look at and I say, okay, he's shown me he could get to a Super Bowl. Granted, the circumstances were very favorable. Sure. But he's shown me that he has a skill set that can translate to the playoffs, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you know, I'm 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 genuinely I'm genuinely curious to see what's the next. What's the next checkpoint? Yeah, what's the on, evolution on Jalen Hurts' arc? I'm yeah. really curious about that, and I think that's the fun part about sports more than anything when you can really track a player's development and really see it take shape on the football field, um, especially when they come off of a down season. Those are the most exciting and most inspiring, um, you know, situations to you know to spectate. So yeah. you know, I'm optimistic about the quarterback, and. I don't know if Kellen Moore was a good hire or a bad hire yet because we haven't seen anything on the field. But I do think it's a quality hire. Is that does that make sense? No, I do. I think they're. I actually think they're both quality hires. To tell you the truth, uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, like I think the Eagles thus far have, have now. You could argue Sirianni sticking around. That's fair. But if you, if you just accept that he's here, I think they've had a good off season so far. I think they brought in two coordinators with experience. Two coordinators have had good track records mm-hmm. of getting success. Uh, you know, with Kellen Moore, I think the biggest there, there's a couple things with Jalen. One, there's obvious stuff like he's got they have they have to figure out a way to curtail the turn, turnovers. But there's nuanced stuff with him in the pocket. Climb the pocket. Use your athleticism in the pocket. Buy a little bit more time. Don't necessarily take off. Keep your eyes down the field. That's one of the things um, that if you remember with Nick Bosa, when after the Eagles lost to them and got killed by them. You know, he was like, hey, we know what the blueprint is. After the initial blitz, he takes his eye off his receivers and, and you know, isn't watching downfield. These are things they have to get him back to being, you know, what he was the, the in 2022. They need to get him back to where he was then. And if they're able to do that, this guy gets right back to where he was. In my opinion, uh, I think he gets right back to where he was. I think it's just a matter of just, just some coaching up. I, I think with him, too, and this kind of goes back to the Joe Santa Liquido story. I think Jalen will make it a priority not to have his time pulled in so many different ways this offseason. He's got the contract thing done. I don't I don't know that there'll be as many commercials. I think he'll get back to being who he was, being the worker B that he is. And I think all of those things, we're going to see a, a, a better, more productive quarterback. I The other thing I keep hearing about Kellen Moore from people is, I know for the most part he had Dak and, and, and Herbert who are pocket guys. But a lot of people say that he's very adaptable to what he has. So I th- I don't think it's just going to be, hey, let's turn Jalen into a pocket quarterback. I think he's mm-hmm. going to play to his strengths. Yeah, I think he I think ultimately he's going to have no choice but to play to his strengths because you know once OTAs and Trankin comes, I think they're going to establish some sort of baseline and say, like, okay, this is where we are. This and because at the end of the day, no matter no matter who Kellen Moore coached before or what he did before, he has to come into this new situation um, and establish a new. Um, method to the madness. You follow me? He yeah. has to. He has to go. He, he has. He has to go in and say, "Okay, I have this new quarter. I have this new quarterback at Jalen Hurts. This is his skill set as it mm-hmm. stands mm-hmm. today, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to install plays that can accentuate what he does. But I still believe also that this organization is trying to add on to the skill set right not just lean on what he does well yes but but also um expand what he does well yeah uh, i do think jalen hurts it's inevitable that jalen hurts has to that has to become you know more of a pocket quarterback as his career develops it's inevitable 
because mm-hmm. athleticism fails you ultimately before your um, pure quarterback and skill does. This this, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy. The question is, can Jalen Hurts live up to the expectations that we all believe that he can live up to? Right. That's what that's what's going to that's what it's going to come down, down to. to. I know. And if he doesn't, then you know you're you're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, you're in trouble. Because yeah, again, we we spoke about this. The onus is truly on Jalen Hurts going into this season when it comes to picking up the blitz, um, you know, improving improving his pocket presence, all those things. And you know, you got you know, I'm pretty sure there are stats out there that indicate that you know Jalen Hurts is on um, one of the more accurate pocket quarterbacks. You know, he this is his passer rating in the pocket, this is accuracy in the pocket, all that kind of stuff. I know those stats are there. But when you watch it with the eye test, you see a guy, especially in, in especially this past season, you saw a guy who was a little bit, a little bit uh, skittish in that pocket. He would drift, you know. He would he would bail out too quickly. Uh, the blitz would knock him off his square too often. It was just he just he never seemed comfortable in the pocket this year, like he did in twenty twenty two. So I just feel like he's 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 I feel like he has to get back to that level of comfortability in the pocket, but also he has to. Um, Start to climb the pocket, trust the pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I think he bails too quickly. I do. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that, that that's on the to do list for Jalen Hurts, and it's a long, it's a laundry list. Um, he has to get better with reading defense. He's got to get better with the pocket presence and the footwork. Um, you know, I think the turnovers are going to um, fix itself. I, I I don't think that's who he is, because um, typically turnovers happen when the mechanics are on right, when your feet are on right, you're throwing up your back foot. I think if you fix the feet, the turnovers will follow suit. Uh, Again, I'm super excited to see what I'm. I'm super excited to see what this looks like on the football field with Kellen Moore. Yeah, I, I think defensively, uh, just to put a put a, a bow on this thing, I think on the oh. defensive side of the ball, I hope they get out of some of the habits that they're in in the way that they uh, prioritize things. I hope linebackers more of a priority. I really hope. The corner, they're not afraid to go pull a crit trigger on a corner in the first round if, if there's a really good one there. And because you, the thing is with corner, I couldn't believe Chris Franklin yesterday said they, he, he thinks they're going to run it back with Bradbury. Whoa. I hope not. But anyway, even I, hope, if it's, I hope not as well. You know, if it's Slay, if it's Ringo, whatever, they need depth there. Uh, they do. They badly need depth. They need another safety. They need two linebackers. There's so many things that they need. I'm willing to have much more patience on the defensive side. I really am. Like, I'm way more patient on the defensive side. I, I We talked about this yesterday. I want the defense to be serviceable. I don't have the expectation level I have for the offense. The offense, to me, it's there's no excuse if you're not a top-five offense. So it's totally different what I expect out of Kellen Moore's group than out of Vic Fangio's group, plain and simple. Yeah, I think a lot of pressure is on that offense to get back because this team is built for the offense to kind of carry them. Uh, and you're right. This defense, you got to be patient with it. This is not a one year fix. Yeah, it's, it's not. not. It's but not. But we have, but, but you know, the, we have seen situations where, you know, teams just make the right moves at the right time, and mm-hmm. they go from being worse to being in the mix. So it, so it, 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 anything can happen. But they have a lot of work to do on both sides of the ball. But the offense is more so schematic. But the defense is more so personnel-wise. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get a timeout, and let's come back. By the way, 12 o'clock, our buddy D. Gunn is going to be joining us. So we'll have Derek Gunn join us at 12 o'clock. At 1.30, Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers will talk some Sixers because the trade deadline is six days away. 
uh, tone. So we will discuss that as well. But when we come back, when we come back, we are going to dive into the Eagles' younger players and what your faith level is on those guys on both sides of the ball. That includes Jalen. That includes Cam Jurgens, Tyler Steen, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, Keely Ringo, Blankenship, uh, Sidney Brown, all of these guys. We'll dive into all of them when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That is Tone. I am Rob. All right, let's talk about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Bravo Pizza of Havertown, family-owned since 1985. Got Alex and the crew in there each and every day putting together the best and most fresh food on a daily basis. 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. Uh, they have the specialized pizza, however you like it. They will make it for you. But Bravo Pizza of Havertown does not just do pizza. They do fresh pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, and salads. Bravo Pizza is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity, schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, PA, 1305 Westchester Pike. Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call, 610-446-3810, 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We were big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won... We went straight to Broad Street, and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. In the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Back on this Friday. What's up, everybody? Appreciate you hanging out with us. Tone to Shield, Rob Ellis. Weekend plans, Tone? What do we have going on? Oh, man. This weekend, I'm going to try my best to take it easy. But knowing my wife, I won't be able to do that. So uh, I'm going to try to squeeze in my downtime as much as I can. You know, try to hit, uh, try to hit the gym. Uh, you know, just you know, just trying to you know do my normal, man. Relax. You know, I, I love movies, so. I love sitting down watching a good movie. I'm always trying to find a different movie, um, a different movie uh, to watch. Like uh, just the other night, uh, I watched this movie called The Outsider with Jared Leto, and it's, and it's really good. I think you would like it a lot. Um, he, he's he he does some out of the box a, stuff. He's man. a he's a dark dude. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, uh, he had a movie with uh, Rami Malek and oh, I uh, saw that and uh, Denzel. Yeah. Um, that movie was spectacular. Yeah, I saw but, that in the movies. Yeah. Oh, you were in the movies? See that? Oh, I, I know it was awesome. I know it was awesome. Yeah. But but yeah, uh, when you get a chance, go on Netflix, watch The Outsider with Jared Leto. Uh essentially the story follows um an American who's housed in a Japanese prison, and um he saves, he unintentionally saves a Yakuza who was trying to commit suicide. Oh man. And in saving him, that Yakuza um much owed his life to him so he told him when we get out of here when i get out of here i'm coming back for you he came back for him and then eventually broke him he, out of a japanese prison well he got him out you know okay okay he got him out and you know it follows their relationship their journey and it follows jared leto's uh dissension into the yakuza underworld wow and it's it's pretty That's awesome interesting all right it's it's, it's, it's 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 smooth it's slick it's <laughs> it's gritty it's right. um, Jared Leto is cold blooded in that movie, man. It's that awesome. guy. That guy, I'll give that guy props. He will. He will do out of the box stuff, man. He, he is not some stereotypical like pretty boy, whatever. He'll he will do out of the box stuff. Uh, I will tell him that. I will say Definitely. that. All right. I watched something last night. I don't know if you'd like it or not. It's old school. It it may just be for some of the older heads. I don't know if you'd like it or not. But I watched it on Netflix. It was the making of We Are the World. Now you're familiar with oh, you're talking world. about you're talking about that one night in uh in uh, LA after yeah. the after the AMA the American musical. It's fascinating. So Lionel Richie, this is this is 1984 into 1985. So it's eight, it's January of 85. Okay. Lionel Richie is like on top of the world with a solo career. Okay. He left the Commodores, he's crushing. 
So he's he's hosting the American Music Awards. He's the host and he's performing two songs. But in a, about a month prior, Harry Belafonte reaches out to him and Michael Jackson and like Stevie Wonder, you know, a lot of all the heavy hitters, right? Not only of the time, but mm-hmm. like goat goat type guys, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and says like, look, we got to start you know, doing stuff for the famine in Africa. Um, what he said was, and he didn't mean this. I'll say it and then I'll under, I'll explain what he meant. He said, but if you remember prior to that, uh, there was Band-Aid with Bob Geldof. And that was, it was a lot of British musicians who raised money for the awareness for the famine in, in, in Ethiopia and Africa and all this other stuff. So Harry okay. Belafonte is like, we got white people raising money for Africans and we're not doing anything. So we got to get off our ass and start doing it. All right. Got so it. that was the gist of it. Um, so then, and then, and then basically it was all going to be surrounding a song. And that basically Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson had like three weeks to write a song and, you know, for like all of these artists and work them all into it because it was, it was a who's who at the time. The only way they could get them all in one space on one night was most of them were going to be there for the AMAs in LA. Right. So they're going to finish. As soon as the show is over, everybody's jumping in their cars and they're going to uh, A&M Records or whatever. I forget right wherever the, they went. Right. The studios, basically. The studio. Yes. So, it, and, and Lionel walks you through the, like he's over Michael Jackson's. I don't want to give too much away. He's over Michael Jackson's house at one point. <laughs> and they're trying to write. So, and Michael's just like, Say hi to my, my chimp. And, and Lionel's like, dude, I just want to write a song, man. Like, come on. So at one point, he's trying, and he calls him Lionel. He won't call him Lionel. He's like, Lionel, say hi to my chimp. You know, whatever. And oh, my God. That's hilarious. Lionel Richie says at one point, he's sitting there, and they're, they're kind of going through some things. And, he, and he's seeing the genius that is Michael Jackson, meanwhile, like with beats and stuff like that. But all of a sudden, he hears, like, in the background, a hissing. Hissing. Like, yeah. So he's like. All of a sudden, there's a giant cobra crawling up the up the wall right next to him. And Michael's like, oh, that's all right. You you touch him. You play with him. And, and Lionel, Lionel Richie's like, I ain't playing with anything, brother. I'm out of here. Like, if you get that snake under control and all this other stuff. That's just a little background. Michael Jackson was such an eccentric character. Man. Uh, he was different. Uh, so just, just different. I would just say, even if it's a little bit before your time, it's pretty cool. The, the, like what they had to go through to get some of these people to, to, to do it, man. And the whole process of getting the song done is amazing. It's amazing. Wow. I got to check it out because I saw it on Netflix. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I got to watch that because that's, that's history. It's very Something, good. Really quickly, another movie you should watch. Uh, yeah. It's on Hulu. Okay. It's called The Creator. Okay. And it has uh, John David Washington in it, um, Denzel Washington's son. And um, oh, it's, right. it's he's a, good. He was great in Ballers and, and some yeah. of the other stuff he's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's very good. Um, he had, he he's starting to build out a catalog for himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, you should definitely uh, look into that. It's like a it's like a futuristic science, uh, science fiction movie. It's pretty much about a war between humans and AI, and you know he plays um, a soldier uh, who is sent to infiltrate you know another country's you know I guess uh, area because. Uh, America is trying to eliminate AI from the face of the planet, huh? but you know other countries still you know support AI, and there's a whole conspiracy behind the AI starting this nuclear attack in the United States. And John David Washington's trying to investigate, and you know he's on a search for his 
his long lost um, lover in, in the process. Yeah. And um, it, it's it's really awesome. So okay. yeah, I'll check, check that out. out. Yeah. Check out the check out the outsider on Netflix. All right. Check out and check out the creator on I'll Hulu. Yeah. You do. We are the world. You do. We are the world. Got you. Got you. Heavy metal one called "We Are the Stars." Dio and all the heavy hitters in metal was great. All right, all right. I will. I'm open to any of that kind of stuff, man. All right, good stuff. Good stuff there. All right, let, let's. Uh, I want to go through some of the younger players now. I left a couple guys off of the list, like Devonte Smith's already established, and I know uh, the first person I'm going to ask you about is Jalen Hurts, and we kind of did this. I know Jalen's already established, but it's just so critical to get him right. I just, I'd really love to get a straight answer from him. I know we're never going to get it. But wouldn't you just, just, Hey man, talk to me about last year. Did, did it not work with Brian? Do you still wish Brian was here? Uh, why do you think it went the way it went? Were Nick's game plans stale? Like mm. that, that's the word that Nick used. You know, we got stale. How much of it is you like, how much do you have to get better? I would just love to not get the, don't take the rat poison kind of answers out of them. You know, I know oh, we're yeah, never going to get yeah. it, but I would, yeah. you know, wishful thinking here. I don't think we're ever going to get it. Real yeah, life. it is. Um, I honestly feel as Jalen progresses in his career, I think he'll speak more. I think so. Um, yeah. Cause even, cause even Devonte Smith, if you notice from year one up until now, he talks way more, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think he's more comfortable, you know, in, you know, in his role. Um, I think eventually we'll get that version of Jalen Hurts. Maybe not in full, but yeah. I think I, I, th- I think he'll start to, you know, as he becomes more solidified, more entrenched, um, more experienced. I think we'll, I think we might see that veil start to drop a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But anyway, um, and we wishful just thinking. Of, wishful you know, thinking. It is. I think it's very, <laughs> <laughs> very wishful thinking. But um, so we just went. You know, we kind of just went through what we need to see from him. All right. Let's jump over to two guys who could be really key this year that I don't know that we're looking at all that much. We're still very focused on whether or not Kelsey's going to come back. If Kelsey comes back, this changes the equation, obviously. But Cam Jurgens yes. taking over at center is taking over for one of the greatest centers that's ever played the position. Um, big shoes. Future Hall of Famer. Big, big shoes. And, and I like the fact that Kelsey recruit, like not recruited him, but, but but suggested him, scouted him, and liked him, and said he's mo- the most like me in college. That, that makes me feel good. And and he did a solid job at guard, which I don't think is his number one position. He's a center. But that's a big thing, Tone, especially for a team that still will incorporate the tush push, that still will, you know, that, that is he's going to be calling out protections. He, he has a really important job, man. Center, I think, is, is an underrated position in the game. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to throw him into the trenches of the tush push quite yet. He has to earn that. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, I think this is this this is another person's career that's going to be interesting to track because, like you said, um, filling it for Jason Kelsey is no small feat. And I do think Cam Jurgens is more of a natural center. Landon Landon Dickerson had a better transition from center to guard than yeah. Cam Jurgens did. I, and, um, but so I think I think Cam Jurgens, I do have my concerns from a health perspective. Cam Jurgens has dealt with he's dealt with some injuries this season. Um, I can't remember how many games. I think he played about maybe 15 games or something like that, 15, 16 games. But still, his injuries were kind of, you know, having him in and out of, in and out of the lineup. He definitely missed a game or two, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Um, but uh, he's a he's a solid prospect. I just don't know about the health. I'm nervous about that. 
you know, we take Jason Kelsey's health for granted. He was an Iron Man. He was. still is. Yep. Still is, man. He hasn't missed a game in what six years? He's a machine. Yep. Something like that. So that's why I'm looking at Jason Kelsey like, man, do you really want to retire? Like you're I know and your theory, you think he's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's coming back, man. I got this feeling he's coming back. Uh, uh, you know what I think may help him coming back is Travis going this far again. You know, Tone, he's sitting there watching these playoff games like, man, I want I want this feeling again, man. I mm-hmm. I don't want to go out like this. I, I don't, I want to experience it one more time. I'm still at the top of my game. It, that it's begs, hard. It's that hard. begs the question, where he, where is he in terms of his belief in the Eagles ability to turn, or, turn That's around? That's another thing. That's, That's what he thing. has to weigh. Am I, how much faith do I have in this current Philadelphia Eagles regime to get us back to that point? How far are we? That's what he has to weigh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just going to come, but it's really going to come down to, you know, the conversations he has with his family, the conversations he has with his wife and, yeah. you know, the children, all the kind of stuff. Because these guys have lives outside of this. You know, they go no, home. I get it. So yeah. uh, it's going it's, to it's, it's gonna really hinge on that. But I really think if I had to guess, I think his wife will support whatever decision he makes. Okay. All right. So we'll see. But obviously, if he does hang him up, you know, Jurgen steps in there. That's a, that's a huge position to fill. And yeah. then the other thing is, you know, Tyler Steen. Is it him? Like, is he ready? Yeah. Do they go another route at that guard spot? They're going to be really young at center and guard. Yeah. Really young. Well, suddenly, I mean, other than Lane, you're pretty you're pretty young across everybody. Mm-hmm. With Mylotta, Dickerson, Steen, and Jurgens, your you're only real, like, old school vet is, is Lane at that point, who could still yeah. obviously play at a high level. Yeah, Tyler Steen, his development is going to be um, interesting to watch as well. Because you know he he's a tackle converting guard. Yep. You know he played both left and right tackle. Now they got him at right guard. Um, he probably is more so a right guard just from a measurable standpoint um, by NFL standards. Mm-hmm. Brent, uh, it would be cool if they show Tyler Steen some Brandon Brooks uh, film. He can learn a lot from him. Oh yeah, I love Brandon Brooks, man. But ultimately, I do think the Philadelphia Eagles are in good in good standing with their offensive line room i'm i'm pretty that's the one group that i don't have that many concerns about yeah you know what i mean because i trust jeff stoutland yeah and you know jimmy johnson said this um one of the most important coaches on the field the most important coach is the o-line coach mm-hmm. you know that's the most valuable coach you have mm-hmm. and, I, and i and and i buy into that yeah yeah i do too all right uh let's jump to let's go to the other side of the ball here and you know, I, I think we're both in agreement with Jalen Carter. Uh, you know, he, he did hit a little bit of a rookie wall, but mm-hmm. the, the future is incredibly bright. They got that right, right? We're, we're 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 all on the same page there with him, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Okay. With a black question. All right, I'm gonna I'll move off him because I think he's gonna yeah. be a great two way player who doesn't have to come off the field. All right. You know, Jordan Davis. We we have discussed this a lot, but it's as simple as I I, I would sit him down and say, look, Jordan, how committed are you to to, to being great? You know, how much do you want it? Because you have the ability. You have the size and the athleticism. You showed it to us in the beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. The only thing holding you back is you. It's not the defenders that you're going or the, the you know, the offensive linemen you're going against, the opposition. It's you, man. So you need to figure this out right now because you could be great, make yourself a lot of money, and help this team potentially win a Super Bowl. Or you can be half good for half a season and then be a non-factor. Which is it? What do you want to do? 
Yeah, Jordan Davis has to really sit with himself and figure out what's the next step in his development, what's the next step uh, in his conditioning. Because visually, he didn't look out of shape. He did. But the motor didn't last as long. He burned, you know, he 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 burned out. So he needs to find a way to um expand that reservoir of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to really hit it in the offseason. When I look at a guy like Jordan Davis, the athleticism, the size, the power, he has an amazing combination of all those things. The motor has to catch up to that. And he's it's only going to get there with his efforts. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. We're looking at Jordan Davis and saying, we ain't worried about your talent, we're worried about your damn conditioning yeah. like come on man that's bare which, minimum which to me is is almost more frustrating <laughs> like you you, you got I think it you're right because you, you know? know what it is you know what it is you know if it was if, if it was a physical limitation then, then 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 we can make sense of that right we yeah. can say all right he's just not good at this yeah he's just limited but we see a guy who just explodes off the line of scrimmage and then he flames out yeah and, make, and partly, and, and, like, and that is frustrating because, because you can effort. control your conditioning. You though. can control your effort. You can't control your just your physical limitation. They're just guys who are just limited, right? Your yeah. height, whatever it is. Yeah, you have no physical limitations, my man. Yeah, it's time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 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 time for you to put down. You know the uh, the Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. I understand it's good, but it's still fast food. Don't let their kind demeanor fool you into thinking it's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> it's right, still look. fast food. Let's jump over uh, to another guy who it seems like every person that we talk to who covers the team on a daily basis thinks that Nicobe Dean is penciled in as a starter again next year. Okay. Now I, I don't, I don't agree with that, but you know, let's deal with the reality that we have here. Um, I think there's, he's got a couple things going against him. You know, he's on the smaller side, which makes you wonder if he can hold up, which you know, as witnessed by last season. And maybe you want to say that's fluky. He had some foot injuries, whatever. Okay. Mm, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I know you don't yeah. think that. I know you yeah. don't think that because, you know, going on IR twice in one season, ain't no fluke. No, it's a bad that's, sign. It's called a trend. <laughs> Here's what worried me more. Well, just as much, you know, you would think if you're smaller, your coverage skills would be better. You would think that you could move better than some, you know, bigger Jeremiah Trotter, you know, gigantic linebacker. But remember, coverage, it ain't just about moving, it's about them instincts. Yes, it is. So in the right place at the right time. We didn't see either of those things last season. Um, you know, and I, I just I go in with real doubt, man, uh, about him, but he's going to be incredibly critical to this team because that is a a position where they're just not good enough right now. Look. Nicobe Dean is a swell young man, you know, works hard, smart kid, you know, uh, got his degree, all that kind of stuff. He's a smart dude. But it has to transit to the football field. You have, I, I, I need you to be football smart. You know, I need you to um, try to stay healthy, man. I know there's only so much you can control with that. Yeah. But try to stay healthy. Try to t- try to make those strides. It's, it's hard to get better when you're hurt. So that was that's that was another thing hindering hindering the development because look for all we know, Nicobe Dean could have started off a little rough, and then as the season progressed, he settled into the role and got more confident and started playing more instinctually, right? So that so that's the frustrating part about that situation. We can't really gauge how good or bad he is. You know, if you notice when we talk about him, we're never talking about really the skill set. 
we're mostly talking about the health factor. Right. And we will never know how good or bad he is if he can't stay healthy. Right. And I think that conversation is worth having. No matter how much we like the player as a person, we should still be able to discuss the fact of the matter. And that is he can't stay healthy. He was on IR twice in a single season. That's not a good start for a young player. Yeah. Yeah. Again, he has a steep hill to climb because I don't think he should be penciled in as a starter for anybody. They, they he, he, should, he should have to earn it flat out. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's go to let's go to the guys behind him now, Tone. DBs. DBs. Uh, well, let's look. I, I, I want to start with this guy because I and I realized he may not be either able to start the beginning of the season or quite at his best. But, mm-hmm. you know, Sidney Brown's fascinating because. Right. He's the kind of guy who appeals to you right away because he's he's balls to the wall. He's all effort. He's an old school, I'm not worried about my body. I'm going to hit you first, and we're all going to ask questions later, right? So I, I love that about him. I really do. I truly do. He is, he's I, I, There's never a question about effort from this cat, okay? I love that. I just wonder if his smaller he, – now he's built, but he is on the smaller side, height-wise, if that frame can hold up for him that's that's my concern there with him you know oddly enough i feel like he could that acl tear was on that metlife grass and or turf whatever we're going to talk about that later in the nfl segment the whole turf right debate, but right go ahead. go ahead but you know i think like like you i look at cindy brown and i see a fascinating prospect a guy who just plays fast plays at 100 miles per hour i think he needs to i, I think he needs to familiarize himself with the brakes though you know what i yes. mean yes you know Car, you know, just because it goes 250 miles an hour, then I mean, you got to drive it at that speed all the time, you know? Yeah, and I the, think that's the discretion is the better part of valor. Like, in, in right. other words, not everything, you don't need to blow every play into bits. Like, there are times where you got to preserve your yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because, you know, when you play that fast, you know, you can, you can uh, over pursue. Yep. You know, you can have bad angles. Um, so, and also, I think he, I think he could improve as a tackler. And he tends to throw his body at you rather than wrap you up. So uh, it's a shame he got hurt because that pick six was pretty exciting that we saw in that Arizona game. And I was, oh, just, and, you know, what I just, a return, man! Right, oh. it was almost like he made up his mind when the moment he caught that ball, he knew what he knew what he was going to do. Yes. So overall, I, I am intrigued by Sidney Brown. I'm not hitching my wagon to him yet. But I'm intrigued by what his prospects, you know, hold for the Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely, I agree with you. All right, l- let's jump. Look, I here's where I'm at with Blankenship. I know a lot of people have really started to turn hard on him. It was his first year as a starter. I think he's fine if he's if he's complimented by a guy who's got better wheels because Blankenship is like Brown in the sense that I give him props. He'll hit you, and if if Vic Fangio can figure out ways to maybe get him closer to the box where it's either blitzing or helping in run support, I think he'll be fine. I don't want him on an athletic tight end one-on-one. There's no doubt. But, mm-hmm. again, I can't fix a million things in one fell swoop. So I can live with him for one more year as my starter. And I'm willing to roll with that, too. I I look at I look at uh, Reed Blankenship as a guy that I, I st- I'm still high on, but I think even more so I'm privy to his limitations. Yeah. He's not the fastest guy, you know. He can he can he can be caught flat-footed at times, you know. Um, you don't want him in coverage. You don't want you don't you don't want him one-on-one with somebody. You don't want that. 
Yep. But do, can you move him around, like you said, closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, closer to uh, the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, in the box, you know, try to find matchups that work. But you're right. You can't fix everything in one offseason. So there's, there, there are going to be certain positions where you're going to have to live with who they have there uh, for now. Um, but but I do think they need someone next to him that has – Athleticism. You can't have you can't have two guys with cinder block feet back there. No, Bayard and Blankenship were just a bad combination. You had an older guy, and they were too similar. Uh, Correct, hundred percent. All right, last one, and we got D Gun coming up in a minute. But uh, Keely Ringo, I'll I'll throw Ringo, Ricks, and Job. Job to me feels like more of a special teamer. If you you know, if you just want to look at the other two, I think there's a lot of potential with the other two. The question is, how big's the leap? Year you know, year one to year two. In next year or this year at least with a new coach new yeah that's the mil- yeah that's the that's the million dollar question how how far can eli ricks and keely and keely ringo take their games in one off season we saw them in situations that weren't the most favorable we saw them have flashes we saw them get burnt we saw them uh make plays we saw them not make plays. it was a very wacky season for everybody involved but I did see things from Keely Ringo that were promising. Um, full disclosure, uh, I was nervous about him in that Seattle game. Yeah, I didn't. I just felt like DK Metcalf would have his way. Right. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case. So he, I think he did. A, I think he did a very solid job. I agree. You know, working with what he was given. Yep. Um, I'm curious. He had. I love his measurables. I love the size. I love the athleticism. Um, can be caught, like I said, can be caught flat footed at times. But some of that's just youth. But you that's, know? but a lot of it, again, exactly. I think a lot of Killer Ringo's situation is experience. Yeah. Experience, experience, experience. And I mean, I, again, they need to get younger. They need to get faster, more athletic on that side. He yeah. is definitely a cog in that machine of where they're trying to go. No question. All right, let's hit it. Uh, D Gun, our, our old buddy, is going to be joining us when we come back. We'll talk to him about everything that's gone mm-hmm. on thus far this offseason and look ahead uh, to what's going to happen in 2024 with the birds. So you don't want to miss any of that. That's Tone. I'm Rob. Let me tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances is critical. I'm right there in the front of the line. But I can tell you from personal experience that someone I trust with my finances is Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, uh, if you have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits, that's another resource that Jim can help you with. Uh, I have personally entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be as well. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You can also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray, dot Jim at principal.com.
any professional sports coach will tell you, there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. So I, I went out, I was scowling the streets trying to find him. Uh, it, it was a challenge. I got my, <laughs> you know, private eye hat on and I, I and somehow, some way, some of my leads caught up to him. What I'll admit, I didn't like yeah. how that story first started. You were scouring the streets. That made me nervous. <laughs> hey, that's my usual thing. I usually, I prowl the streets. <laughs> but anyway, so we ended up finding him. I thought, you know what? I need to talk to my guy. So we got d Gun. He is back. He is hopping on with us right now. Look who it is. There he is, D-Gun. Look Hershey at that beautiful chocolate that man. What, is that what we're doing? You got my Hershey shirt on. Did you say you, you were scouring? Scouring the told you you were scouring the streets the looking for me. The streets of Delaware, uh, Bear Delaware, and I found you somewhere. Look at, yeah. Looking for me on the, yeah, the mean streets of Delaware. I'm the like, mean streets of Bear what Delaware. What he talking about here? <laughs> what the heck? Uh, so, uh, how, first off, how are oh, you, man. and how's everything going at home? Good, man. Everything's at a, at a rapid pace. But, you know, you get in a rhythm and you find sh- shortcuts and ways to get things done quicker as well as just as efficiently. And, you know, she's getting strong every day. Um, she can help us help her now. Uh, her core strength on the right side is excellent. Left side, weak, still weak, has a ways to go. But, um, um, you know, I appreciate all the love from, from the Sports Take family and everybody cool. out there. And you guys are always checking in. I appreciate it as always, man, because y'all family too. But, yeah, you know, um, considering and talking to a lot of people, you know, have hit me up on DM and, and, and Twitter and uh, Facebook about things they've gone through. And I think about how much worse it could have been. Right. Um, you know, um, it's 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 going well, slow, but steady, but going well. And that's all we can ask right now. Her spirits are good. She's spirits are excellent. She's a fighter. Awesome. 
She wants to prove us wrong when we say, honey, you can't do this. You can't do it. Oh, yeah, just watch me. And even when she can't, do, she's trying. You know, that's nice. the thing. And like the, the physical therapist and the occupation, occupational therapist say, the mental aspect of this is, is just as important as the physical. And you Absolutely. see her trying and every day she gets a little bit closer to, to proving us wrong in certain areas and stuff like that. I mean, it will only be three months into this um, February 4th. And it seems like a lifetime, um, but three months in. And we know we still got a ways to go. Yeah. But, you know, everybody involved, all the doctors, all the therapists, they're like, wow, she's really doing well. So, um, you know, that's all we can ask, dude. That's all no, we can ask. No doubt. Well, it's, first of all, it's great to see you, man. And, I, and I'm glad to glad to, to touch base with you because we haven't really had a chance to go over, like, bigger picture, Kellen Moore, Fangio, et cetera. Um, right, right. Different jobs, obviously, and different challenges, Derek, because Fangio takes over a side of the ball, I think, with less talent altogether. And more comes into, a, I think, a more, you know, situation to get them going quickly. But mm-hmm. let's start there. Let's start with Kellen Moore and what you think he's going to be able to do for them, bring to the table, get Jalen in, in, the, in the right spot. Like, how do you how do you view the offensive side? Well, I, I, I like his pedigree. He had success in both uh, Dallas and with the Chargers. So he does have a pedigree. He's a pass first type guy. Um, and, you know, we've always known the Eagles to, to want to run the ball, you know, as well. So it's going, I believe it's going to be a pass first offense. And when you look at the the personnel they have on an offense, even if Jason Kelsey says I'm not coming back, you know, they still have the personnel to get, get it done. This still is an offense um, that can accidentally score 25, 28 points a game, which puts them in most games in the national football league and gives them a chance, chance to win. I think he's going to come in here and he's not just going to run Nick Sirianni's offense the way Brian Johnson did. Uh, I think he's going to come in here with his mindset. Okay, here's what I like to do, coupled with your offense, which I think can make it more explosive, like it was in 2022. To what degree? Obviously, we're going to sit here, and when I say we, I mean media, locally, nationally, across the board, that critiques the Eagles day in and day out. We're going to sit here daily and give our opinion on, on what we think is going to happen, what it's going to look like. And, of course, our opinions are going to vary, whether it's plus or minus, depending on what they do in free agency to enhance the offensive product and or the draft to enhance the offensive product. But we really won't get definitive answers until they hit the ground running when they kick off the season for real in September. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you all for being here, d I miss you, man. I like uh, man. You know, let's, uh, let's let, again, let's get into it. The whole Kellen Moore thing. You know, it's interesting. I'm optimistic about it, but here's my concern. And I'm curious to know if 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 you're if you've thought about this. You know, Kellen, he's mainly dealt with drop back guys. Sure. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, he likes to live in the pocket, not afraid to get mobile, but stays in the pocket. Um, Herbert, same thing. Um, do you have any reservations or concerns about if Kellen Moore is the right fit for Jalen Hurts? Again, we 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 know Kellen Moore's pedigree, he does great with the blitz. But do you have any reservations about if it's a fit, knowing Jalen Hurts' current skill set? Well, considering Tony this past season, they wanted Jalen to stay in the pocket more. No, I think that's a plus because Kellen has been so good. You look at Dak Prescott, his best seasons were under Kellen Moore. You know, when you think about it, when you look at the numbers and his his ability, when 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 back in the day when Dak was considered this up-and-coming, possibly elite quarterback, obviously we know that's not the case. Elite quarterback, it was when Kellen Moore was in the system. So, no, I, I have no problems with that. If anything, I'm hoping Kellen can get it in Jalen's head 
to to look at the checkdowns more. If you look at the type of quarterbacks, even the great Patrick Mahomes, look at how much he checks down and throws the underneath stuff when when, when the 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 deep intermediate pass or the long pass isn't there. I think that was such a forgotten art in this Eagles offense. And I and I said to this this to you guys before, and I said it on a number of platforms, and I'll say it again. Um, after that Dallas game down in Dallas, when players tweeted me, look how quick Dak gets that bleeping ball out of his hands compared to how long it takes our pass routes to develop. Why? Look at how many times the underneath route in the Eagles offense was abandoned when he had guys running crossing routes wide open. On a third and five, third and six, why are you going for 15, 20 yards? Why are you putting yourself in harm's way? You got guys standing wide open in the middle of the field. Get the first down, keep the ball in your hands, keep the opposition off the field, keep the clock moving, and hopefully move in for points. They abandoned that element. They played right into the hands. Look at how those games unfolded against Arizona and the Giants, the last two games of the season, which should have been gimmies. Why? Because they played right into the opposition's hands. And, of course, they put pressure on Jalen. Both of those teams forced him to make decisions sooner. You've got to have more checkdowns in today's football. The better quarterbacks are not just deep ball throwers. They throw to every area of the field with efficiency, whether it's the short sideline route, the curl in, the screen pass, the crossing routes. The better offenses use the crossing routes time and time again. That's what this team needs to do better to get back to being an elite offense. Gunner, do you think that was more on Jalen or was that what they were coaching him to do? Which seems hard to believe, but were they were they just so over the top with, with deep shots and chunk plays that, that – you know, he he was just in that mode? That's a good question, Rob. And, and, and it's hard to give you a definitive answer because all of a sudden we heard the whispers about how Jalen was tra- uh, changing so many plays at the line of scrimmage. So when you hear that, you say, that's on Jalen. Okay. But after every game, these guys from the time, whether it's a road game or home game, they hit the ground running. If they're on the road, coach is already looking at the game game film. If they're at home, they're looking at it the next day at 6 a.m. in the morning to analyze it before they have to step before the media again. Right. So I would say, was there a coach strong enough to bend Jalen's ear to get him to, to get back? Hey, look, what do we keep telling you, man? Why have you abandoned this? I don't know if the voice was strong enough in, in Brian Johnson. We know mm-hmm. the relationship was strong. Yeah. But was the voice strong enough to get in Jalen's head? I don't, we don't know those things. Those are behind closed doors things. But – when you hear the rumors, the whispers that um, Jalen's changing multitude of plays at the line of scrimmage, initially you think, hey, that's on Jalen. Right. That's on Jalen. Right. How did the guy go from being the runner-up MVP in 2022 to a guy who appeared to be lost at times in 23? The, the, the easy answer is the competition. Look at the plethora of quality coordinators he faced in 23 compared to the, the bottom dwellers he faced in 22. Mm-hmm. Those, I mean, it was a gauntlet of great defensive coordinators this year who had plenty of time to study this offense and made it more difficult. When this team shot out to 10 and 1, the problems were there offensively. They just got the breaks, the ball bounced their way. And as we know, the oblong football bounces your way one day, bounces against you the next day. Yeah. The first 11 games, the ball bounced their way. The last six games, ball definitely bounced against them. Yeah. You know, D Gun with. Bringing Kellamore in, and obviously Big Fan Joe, you bring in two guys who have a pretty solid amount of experience doing what they do. And then, you know, Nick Sirianni, clearly he's lost a lot of power in this situation. I'm curious to know how do you, what's your expectation for the dynamic between Nick Sirianni and Kellamore? Because 
by, by my estimation, Nick Sirianni is entering this season kind of coaching for his job. So I'm curious to know, when you look at Kellen Moore coming in, knowing that he did interview for the Eagles job in 2021, how do you anticipate that dynamic between him and Sirianni working out? Sirianni has to make it work, <clears throat> plain and simple. Those discussions have been taken care of behind closed doors. Whether it was Kellen Moore or whoever they brought in, the edict is, is there. The groundwork has been laid. You got to make it work. I mean, this is your job. Now, on one hand, how many coaches in the first three years of existence as a head coach in the National Football League take teams to the playoffs three consecutive years in a row, have winning records three consecutive years in a row, even though this year did not end up the way everybody anticipated? Kansas City got to their destination. The Eagles didn't come close. The bottom line is he still got them in the playoffs, which is valuable experience to young players who are evolving. So it didn't work with Brian Johnson, and I give the Eagles credit for this. Unlike a lot of teams, they may have brought their coaching staff back. Well, it was the first year they were together. We had no, we know it was rough roads. We're going to bring it back and run it back again in 24. And lo and behold, all of a sudden you have the same problems in 24 that you had in 23. I give the Eagles credit for this. They sat back behind closed doors and said, uh, we got to fix this. Mm-hmm. We got to fix this. And we know we're going to take shots from the media and the fan base, but we got to fix this. So what they do, they go out and get the old, the old, go get the old C captain. Vic Fangio for the defense, and they get a fresh mind who's had a measure of success in the offense. So I give them credit for that. They didn't cower to public opinion. They acknowledged that we made mistakes. That's how they, they don't may not come out and say it verbatim, but they admit it by making these changes. And there's going to be more significant changes on the coaching staff as well. Um, so I have to give them credit for that. Now, will it come together? Will it work? We're going to be asking that question from now until the time they kick off the 24 season. Yeah. Uh, and, all right. So let, let's go there with Fangio for a minute, Gunnar. And we know he is the architect of this thing that they like. They're not, they, they are big on not giving up the big play. And that's a trend right. the whole league has gone to in yes. a lot of ways. Not everybody, but a lot of, a lot of people. I, I want to, I just, I, I want to focus on the defensive line because I don't think they, they're very talented, frankly, on the back end. Why did that unit crater the way that it did? I know the whole team did. Yeah. But yeah. I look at that team that especially then they had Fletcher, they had Carter, they had yeah. yep. Reddick and, and you know Sweat, et cetera. What happened, do you think, there? I, I honestly don't know. You know, the the, the easy answer for Jalen Carter would be he hit that rookie wall and never recovered. Jordan Davis showed flashes, and just when we thought he was going to take that next step, he regressed. I don't know. Hassan, uh, I mean uh Josh Sweat didn't have a sack until for, for eight consecutive games until the playoff game. I don't know. Hassan Reddick, why is he dropping back and covers seven, eight snaps a game? I don't know. I don't know, Rob. The whole thing was just discombobulated. Mm-hmm. I will say this about Fangio. You know, he called him one of the godfathers of defenses. <clears throat> Down in Miami, he set the franchise record for quarterback sacks with the Dolphins with 56 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, then you hear the rumors from Drew Rosenhaus, probably his clients. They didn't get along with Fangio. So I don't care if a player likes a coach. Were they productive? What did the numbers look like? Miami had a decent defense, okay? Um, the Eagles need to get back to the decent defense. Defense. The problem with this Eagles defense is, will Howie Roseman address the linebacking situation? I don't care about the draft, the uh, offseason. You know, you, you talked, Rob, about most defenses are going to this keep everything in front of me mentality. I agree to a certain degree. A lot of defenses do that because they don't have the personnel. But if you look at the four teams that were in the final four in the playoffs this year, they were all aggressive defenses. Baltimore, Kansas City, San Francisco, Detroit, 
all aggressive defenses, put pressure on the quarterback, make them make decisions. They were bringing five-man, six-man fronts like every other down. So that's why those four teams were standing, and that's why you have two defenses that are going to put pressure on Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. You have to find a way. You cannot let these quarterbacks today sit back there and pat the ball 1,005, 1,006. They will chew you up because even if you only have a two- or three-man route against four or five guys covering, somebody's coming free sooner rather than later, okay? You have to – look at how many teams started to put pressure on Jalen, force him out of the pocket, throw the ball away, underthrow, overthrow. Okay, that's a big difference in today's game. The game is structured for the offense to succeed and the defense to fail in a lot of ways. But a number of teams, a small collection of teams have found a way to beat that theory. Those four teams that were left standing are four of the teams that found a way. All right, we can't hit a a ball carrier a certain way. We have to be careful how many seconds we hit a quarterback after the pass, but we can make him expedite decision-making process. I like Vic Fangio in terms of overall defensive structure. I don't like the fact that he doesn't like to blitz a lot. He's relying on a four-man front. Well, let's look at this Eagles four-man front. Hmm. Will Jordan Davis improve in 24? Don't know. (sighs) Jalen Carter? I I don't even know if Fletcher Cox is going to be here. And I will say this. I will not be surprised. I'm going to say it right now. If Fletcher Cox is not with this team in 24, I will not be surprised. If he is not. If he is not with the Eagles in 2024, I will not be surprised. Yeah, okay. same here. You know, Brandon Graham, Brandon Graham, 36 years old in April. They love Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham means more to them than just a football player. He is the epitome of maturity and leadership, both on and off the field. How much does that carry weight in a Vic Fangio type defense? I think Brandon Graham at 36 years old could still be effective 25, 30% of the snaps, as well as mentoring the young players that are coming here by way of free agency and or the draft. The Eagles would do everything possible because Brandon Graham has told all of us, it's not about the money. Yeah. Okay. So he'll be, he could fit well under the salary cap. Will Howie and Jeffrey have to buckle to what Vic Fangio wants? Is Brandon Graham in or out in the Vic Fangio defense? That remains to be seen. You know, Diga, yeah, you know, you, you you covered a lot. And, you know, you said something really interesting about the fact that defenses, um, they like to keep things in front of them. You know, it's funny, scoring scoring was down in the NFL this year. A lot, a, a lot of stat categories were down, and a lot of defensive head coaches got jobs. More defensive head coaches uh, got jobs more so than offensive guys. Mm-hmm. So, clearly, these defenses are starting to catch up to wherever sure. these offenses are. are. Sure. Um, but I want to get into personnel. Because Vic Fangio has a steep hill to climb with the Philadelphia Eagles from a personnel standpoint. And, you know, we always lock in on the defensive side when it comes to the lack of personnel. But I'm willing to argue from top to bottom, this team needs personnel from a depth perspective, especially on offense and then defense. They need a bunch of frontline guys. So um, what do you think should be the Eagles game plan in terms of handling, um, you know, this lack of depth, um, this limited talent on defense? Because whatever the way they've been doing things before, trying to supplement everything in free agency, it's right. not a it's not a sustainable formula. At some point, they're going to have to start drafting well on that defense side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, again, let me bring up the teams that were in the final four mm-hmm. on defense. Linebacking play was instrumental in the success of all four teams getting to where they got. Yep. You're going to see stellar linebacking play in the Super Bowl as well. Okay, Fred Warner is the best in the game. You look at have Nick Bolton on the other side of Kansas City in that collection as well. You know, th- they're, as, they're as 
as instrumental in the success of a defense as anything. The Eagles have to get out of this mindset. We can put money here, there, and the everywhere else except the linebacking core. They're going to have to spend some money on linebacking. If they're watching the other teams that have success around the league, they are going to have to spend money on linebacking play. I will say this. Go back to the 22 season. <clears throat> we were all shocked. Kansas City, Andy Reid, Spagnola decided to go with a bunch of kids, untested kids in the back end of that defense. Well, first and foremost, because they had a style front seven. But what happened with the kids in the back end of the defense for Kansas City? The first and the middle part of that season was rough going for them. Mm-hmm. They, 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 took, they took a lot of heat, a lot of verbal shots, and they learned some valuable lessons in terms of technique, positioning. But I will say this. There were a bunch of sure tackling kids in the back end. By the time December rolled around, that back end didn't look so bad. When they got to the Super Bowl, that back end and that defense didn't look so bad. And I say that to say this. They do need to spend some money, talking about the Eagles, but they have some young players who can help them right now. I think Sidney Brown is going to be a good safety in the National Football League. The only problem is with his ACL, we don't know how long it's going to take for him to get back to being that Sidney Brown. I think Keely Ringo has some talent. I think Eli Ricks, even as skinny as he is, if he puts on a few more pounds of muscle, Eli Ricks has the speed to be able to run with most receivers in the National Football League. Are the Eagles going to take a chance and go through the growing pains of of them being your primary guys in the back end? Don't know. They do need another proven cornerback, that's for sure. Unless they use a first-round pick to draft one, still you you bring in a rookie who's got to go through the learning curve. You're not going to find – a sauce gardener comes along once in a blue moon. A guy who hits the ground running who's complete coming in as a rookie and turns out to be the defensive rookie of the year. Those don't happen. I don't care how good the Patrick Sertains, I don't care how good you are. You got to go through growing pains. So I think the Eagles are going to spend some money in free agency. It ain't going to be James Bradbury, that's for sure. But you got to spend some money in free agency to get a proven cornerback in here because I believe Slay is going to be back again in 24. Now, with that said, Blankenship. Okay. Blankenship's a good hitter, sure tackler. Blankenship doesn't have much speed. So what are you going to do there? Okay, and you got to find somebody to compliment him, and I think it's Sidney Brown. But will Sidney be ready when training camp rolls around? That's a big one. So they've got a lot of questions on that side to answer. How do you replace Fletcher Cox? What is Vic Fangio going to do with Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick in this defense? you got to get some linebackers in here. You need another safety. You need another cornerback. If anybody can work the magic of getting most of what Vic Fangio needs in terms of tweaking dollars here and there, it's Howie Roseman. Now it's on Howie to make it happen. How, speaking of Howie, let, let's stay on that for a minute, Derek. You uh, you have a good feel for him, I think, a lot of time. Um, you know, th- this was embarrassing for him, for Jeffrey, yeah. with the way this season this season went. And I know, you know, he 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 sat up there and he talked about Nicobe Dean taking over at line. There still is the guy at linebacker, and they got good play out of Zach Cunningham. This is more of a broad question, not just linebacker. But yeah. th- how much do you think the way this year went made him question? team building and the way that they go about things. I don't think it made them question team building, Rob, because let's face it. I mean, if we're all being honest with ourselves after the Eagles draft, we were all salivating at the prospect of what they had as a nucleus on this team. And early in the season, um, early in the season, it looked good on paper. We all were talking about Jalen Carter being the defensive rookie of the year. We were talking about how, how Jordan Davis looks so much better. Uh, coming out of the gate. Um, it just didn't mesh when they needed it the most. I don't think how he looks at it as a failure, how he looks at it as, okay, we've got to go back to the drawing board, reanalyze everything and retweak it to make it better. 
this season got under Howie's crawl. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he had some sleepless nights about this because they thought they had what they needed to at least get close, even if they didn't get to the Super Bowl, to get close to the Super Bowl. And basically in those last six games of the season and that playoff game was a team that was just waiting to go to make their tee times uh, in the offseason and vacation plans. Not that they – and I'm not saying they quit on Nick Sirianni because I don't believe any player in that locker room uh, quit on Nick Sirianni. Um, I believe they still have a lot of respect for Nick. I believe these guys will play hard for Nick. It just didn't come together, okay? Mm-hmm. So now, Howie, as they've done with the coaching structure, they, what did they do? They identified real quick, we've got to change the guys calling the shots on both sides of the ball. We've got to change the coaches that will be around the coordinators on both sides of the ball. we got to get a different mindset here. Now we also may have to tweak a little bit to get a different type of mindset on the guys who step between the lines every Sunday. You know, D-Gun, I, I got I, I got to push back a little bit on the um, on the uh, Nick Sirianni coaching dynamic with the players. I mean, you know, I would I would like to believe, you know, what you're saying, if it was like a three-game stretch, even a four-game stretch. But one in seven of your final eight games is – that seems to me like a bigger problem than just, hey, things didn't bounce our way. Think about, think about this, Tom. Think about how they won some of those ten games. Mm-hmm. Think about that, okay? Uh, a 59-yard field goal to send a game in overtime to Buffalo to win that game. Uh, Justin Jefferson fumbles the ball out of the end zone on a potential scoring drive. There were two other games where the opposition was driving for potential go-ahead scores, and on fourth down situations, the receiver caught the ball out of bounds, one foot out of bounds, okay? Those things played in the favor of the Eagles. Let's look at how certain things started to play against the Eagles. Go to Seattle. And Jigba, unbelievable catch over the shoulder with a backup quarterback to lose that game. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're looking out in so so yeah, the ball bounces your way sometimes. It, it just didn't it just didn't happen. This is not an isolated incident with the Eagles. We've seen this happen with many teams that start out like gangbusters and fade down the stretch. Mm-hmm. That's why I say when people, oh, this team is four and oh in the preseason, and all of a sudden goes six and ten. Six and eleven in the regular season. This team can't win a game in the preseason. All of a sudden, they're in the NFC Championship game. It happens. That's the nature of football. It just happens. There's no, there's no analytics. You know, we 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 live by analytics now in pro mm-hmm. sport. There's no analytics when it comes to the ball bouncing for you or against you. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's it's the history of pro football. How far are they? And I'll just I'll just throw the Niners and the Lions out there. If you want to put others ahead of them, fine. Derek, but how far are they from those teams in your estimation? Right uh, now? As we sit here right now, um, I'm not going to say light years, but they are behind. They're definitely behind the Niners. Uh, they're definitely behind Detroit. Um, and you have to start thinking about other teams that are creeping up on them. A young Green Bay team comes from yeah. out of nowhere, beat the snot out of Dallas, and should have beat San Francisco. Yes. The youngest team in the National Football League all of a sudden got hot at the right time. See, we talk about hot and cold. Green Bay, the youngest team in the league, stumbles most of the season. All of a sudden, the light goes on for Jordan Love. This dude ends up throwing 32 touchdown passes, went four for four in the red zone against Dallas, and had and had the – two for five. Yeah. What was more than that, Ron? They were two for five in the red zone against this stout 49ers defense. Right. The 49ers hadn't given up a 100-yard rush in how many years? Yeah. They ran up and down the field on the 49ers defense. 100%. See what I'm saying? So teams like like Green Bay and New Orleans moving in a different direction with a new coordinator. Okay. So you got to start thinking about 
I'm not just looking at a few teams ahead of me. There's four or five teams that are behind me now that are creeping up on us that yeah. we have to worry about as well. Yeah. Um, last one for me, D-Gun. So when, when, when you look at this team, right, and we said a lot, how far away is this team from being legitimate Super Bowl contenders at this point? No one will be know about them now in the past and potentially what could happen in the future. How how far is this team? How long of a fix is this? This is a one year fix, a two year fix. How are you? How are you digesting this thing? I think it's fixable this year. To be honest, wow. I think if they get a slot receiver, they get a slot a slot receiver um, to go along with AJ and Devontae. That's a big help. You got you got a premier tight end. You got a, a stout offensive line. Even if Kelsey doesn't come back, um, DeAndre Swift, they better bring him back. Okay, I hope so. Um, I think the running back situation is fine in that regard. Um, the quarterback, he's going to have to get back to what he was um, in 22. If they get some of the issues taken care of in the offseason um, on the defense, I think this team is not far away. I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl team, but they still have a nucleus to compete to get to the NFC Championship game. Well, that's what I'm asking, right? Like, yeah. How far I is think- this team from a, being a, a real Super Bowl contender? I think four or five players, but you can't get them all in a free agency because of the cap restriction. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about this. You you gave a quarterback $250 million. You have a $100 million receiver. And are you going to pay Devontae this year or next year? Now, if, if I'm the Eagles, I can't afford to pay Devontae this year because no team in the NFL is going to have two $100 million receivers on their roster. If they pay Devontae this year, what are you going to do with, with AJ? Because I guarantee you, they're going to keep young Devontae over AJ. You know, and I'm not saying they're gonna they're gonna trade AJ, but if somebody's given a first round draft pick for AJ Brown and a few other things, I've got a serious look at that. I mean, this dude basically, um, think about this. Basically, you can't stop AJ Brown on the slot routes. Big physical specimen. They need him if they can get back to that short passing game in the Kellen Moore offense. But in a bigger scheme of things, if somebody's gonna give me an additional first round pick and some some other draft commodity, or maybe a player or two that can help me right now, I have to look at that. And then going another direction, free uh, receiver wise, whether it's free agency and or the draft. Real quick, right? If I could squeeze this in, D Gun, I apologize. No, um, no, 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 you know, I'm so I'm glad. Talk- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You were my boys, man. I'm I got so glad. <laughs> but, you, but, you, but you know, your time is valuable to me, so I appreciate you. Um. You said something really key that I was trying to avoid in this conversation because a lot of people think it's clickbait, but but you brought it up, and that's the AJ Brown talk. And look, you know, whenever whenever we broach this conversation, you know, Rob and I, we get killed and so on and so forth. And the bottom right, line is right, this: right, right, right. the fact of the matter is, no team in the NFL, at least right now, is paying 
two wide receivers yeah. north of $20 million a season. There you go. They're not. It's, it's, it's a very hard feat. So, again, Eagles fans, when it comes to this team, yes, I would love to keep A.J. Brown. I would love to keep Devontae Smith. I would love to have them together forever. But that's not how the business works. So I don't know how feasible it is that they can keep both of those guys once Devontae gets paid. Um, I think the moment I think the moment that check is signed, A.J. Brown's days become numbered. Unless you can get him to restructure. <clears throat> Howie is a master Unless. of getting key players to restructure. And if he asked, if he asked um, AJ and his representation to restructure, then that's on AJ. If they say, no, we're not giving up this or we're not giving up that, then your hand is forced. You have to make a decision. But let's face it, uh, through the years, the players that the Eagles have wanted to keep, <clears throat> they have found a way to keep those players. If they identify they need to keep AJ Brown here, then they'll make it work. Howie Roseman is the, one of the best of the best um, in terms of, of, of making numbers look favorable to this organization to move in different areas to make other parts of this team stronger. So now it will be on, on, but it, again, I'll say this, if I, if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm holding Devontae off until 25. You don't have to pay him this year. <clears throat> the only thing is Howie, they like to identify those players to get a number. That's a wow factor to those of us looking on the outside in, but very favorable at the market value time for the organization. Now, if Devontae and his representation say, yeah, you know what, we'll just wait until 25, obviously the numbers are going to go up if he continues to have the type of seat. You look at his numbers keep going up every year as a young player. He's one of the best route runners in the game already, has some of the best hands in the game already, and he's like that ever-ready battery, takes a licking but keep on ticking. You hit this dude, you can't <laughs> keep him down. Mm -hmm. You can't keep him down. So all of that bodes well in terms of what they want to do with a young, up-and-coming, potential Pro Bowl wide receiver. All right, last one from me, Gunner, on a on a, a fun note to look back. Sunday will be six years since the Eagles won Super Bowl 52. Yes. And I know you were you were there for every step of the way, man, with that team, that day, that week leading up the whole night. That, that cold. That cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In Minnesota. Just give me share with us you know, some memories that you had of of that that time, man. I mean, it was it was wild. It was, it was, you know, you're you're facing off against a team. <laughs> That had knocked you off 13 years earlier, whatever it was, and yep. you know, the, the whole nine. Just kind of walk us through it. When, first of all, when you think about the fan base that showed up in Minneapolis in one of the coldest times of the year, we're talking about temperatures minus 12, minus 15. That says a lot about the Eagles fan base, number one. You look at the game itself, and nobody thought the, the Eagles could beat the M evil empire that was the New England Patriots <laughs> with a backup quarterback, without – uh, a left tackle without their best specialty player, without their franchise quarterback. Mm. Nobody was giving the Eagles a chance to win that game. And, of course, a defense giving up 500 yards of offense in less than four quarters to Tom Brady. You're thinking, man, if they get the ball last, this game is over. Um, but they kept going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And, of course, the Philly special highlighted everything. The place went nuts when the Eagles converted that Philly special with Nick Foles. It was a special time for a special group of guys who, who who rode that moniker of underdogs, nobody likes us, we don't care, and they rode it to the to the zenith of hoisting that Lombardi trophy. The euphoria I experienced on the field, players on the field crying, confetti coming down. Heck, I even laid on the ground and did a confetti snowman, <laughs> which I have on a picture behind me on the, on the wall there between the two autographs. I, I can see it, yeah. Yeah, between the two autographs. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. That's awesome. I never knew <laughs> what that was. I never knew yeah, what that was. That's me laying in, in the Minnesota, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings field, 
uh, doing a confetti, doing a confetti, a snowman taken by former photographer Jerry Hines. Oh my God! No question oh, about it. Big interviewing, interviewing players, emotional. Interviewing Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman. Just being in that locker room, the energy that was in that locker room. That for that one moment in time, everybody outside of the Eagles organization doubted this team, and they pulled off what everybody, the so-called experts, all the national pundits, thought they could not do. Right. That was their one moment in time. You know how we go to the NCAA tournament and they use that one shining moment song, which I, I love, love that song. I love that's, that song. That's the that was the Eagles' finishing touch. One shining yes. moment. One shining moment. That group of guys, if they get together twenty years from now, that one moment will never be taken away from them. Is that they accomplished something that nobody thought. Heck, they weren't even favored in the Super Bowl games. I mean, in in the playoff games against Atlanta right. and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and they still pulled it off. The fact that I got to interview these guys, the owner, the general manager, uh, you, it was just euphoria from start to finish. And of course, the game, I mean, the party was still going on. We left, we got out of the stadium maybe two and a half, three hours after the game. You got, you know what time the game started. Yeah, yeah. There were people still milling about in the stands, on the field, players, families taking pictures. We were still there, you know. That's so cool, man. That one moment in time. Um, and I've covered 10, 11 Super Bowls. That by far was my favorite uh, because of all the unexpected things that went on in that game. You're spitting, yeah. D-Gun. You're spitting, man. You're spitting. Yeah. Wait, one, I'm one, sorry. One. about spit on you, brother. I'm sorry. I'm just excited. <laughs> hey, hey, you hey, got excited, man. Hey, listen, man. The one play that stands out to me was that uh, that fourth down conversion when about five and a half minutes left in the fourth. Yeah. Yep. Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz. Going yep. forward, going forward yep. on your own side of the field. Yeah. So you're, down, you're, you're down 32-33 to – you get that ball back to Tom Brady, you're losing that game in that moment. It's just right. that simple. And right. lo and behold, Doug Peterson was just a, a maverick out there, a cowboy, just gunslinging. And I respect the game, man. And I actually think that's why we lost Super Bowl 22. I mean, uh, the 22 Super Bowl, because yeah. um, Nick I feel like, quite I, as I feel like there were, I feel there were moments where Nick got past him where he normally would have been aggressive. And it came back to bite him. But again, ultimately, defense failed him in the end. Tom. Um, I appreciate and I respect your one definitive play in that game. There is only one play. There is only one play in that game. <laughs> Brandon, uh, Graham, Brandon Graham strip sack. Rip it, baby. Because if, if, if yeah. they don't get that strip sack, I'm 100% convinced Tom Brady walks Drive. that team down the I field agree. to the winning I'm with score. You. I'm with you on that. They could not stop Tom Brady. Dude, I'm sitting above, and I got a, I got a, I got above vantage point of what's going on. It's amazing when you're in a stadium how – you see things from above that you don't even see with the 26 cameras that they use to show football games nowadays. And I'm watching Patriot receivers running wide open across the middle of the field and the Eagles defense. Gronk was going crazy. Gronk was going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They couldn't touch Brady and Brady's just standing back there, patting the ball, waiting for guys to free up. You got guys like, like guys bringing in airplanes on a (laughs) runway like this. It's not wide open air. The The Eagles secondary was so afraid of the, of the Patriots pass catchers. They were giving him 14, 15-yard cushions. And these yep. guys were like, I'm here. And Brady was chewing them up. Again, 500 yards of offense in three quarters? Insane. Never punted. It? They didn't punt. They, they didn't punt. punt. No, they nobody punted, punt, right? The Eagles punted once. That was oh, it. Okay. Yeah. Unbelievable. Man, that was crazy. That, that was, man. Gunner, good stuff, man. Good stuff. We always appreciate it. All the best to Trish. All the best to the, the entire family. It's always great seeing you, my friend. All right. Love the family chat. Love all my people in the chat. You know how I feel about you guys, man. When you need me, Rob, I'll move some things around, make it happen for you nine times out of ten, brother. You're the yes, best. Sir. You're the best. All right, Connor. Have a great weekend, okay? Y'all be right, good, man. man. Have a blessed weekend.
Take care. All right, that is D Gun. Always great catching up to him. Always great. Let's keep to the that. Goat, man. Let's keep that Super Bowl memory momentum going, Tony. Okay, let's, let's hit look. it. Let's come back and let's pick up on some of our fond memories and and just just going back because there were so many crazy things that happened in that game uh from, from Super Bowl 52. So let, let's keep that rolling when we when we do it. 1:30, Paul Hudrick will join and we'll talk some Sixers with him and we'll do our NFL segment at one o'clock as we always do. So don't go anywhere. That's Tone. I'm Rob. All right. Uh, I want to talk about proaction restoration. If you have a home, business, or property that you own and you go through the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke, or mold damage to that property, you know how challenging that can be. But proaction restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist you nighttime, weekend, holiday, you name it, inconvenient hours, they're there. They're ready to roll. They are licensed, bonded, fully insured, serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. I can tell you from personal experience that ProAction Restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company because they did with me. Again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, whatever you have, whatever issue you may have, uh, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game 
and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We are back. Appreciate you hanging out on this Friday. Rob and Tone just wrap things up with the gun. All right, and Paul Hudger coming up at 1.30 from Liberty Ballers. We'll talk some uh, Sixers with Paul. All right, I, I've told you this story before, Tone. When it, when it came to Super Bowl Sunday 2018, it was February 4th, so two days from now, six-year anniversary, which is crazy. Um, Man. I had a I had such a weird feeling when I woke up. Like I I I had a just a calming presence of I knew the Eagles were going to win that game. I'm not even kidding you, man. And I and I I've never had that again for a big game. But something there was something in the just just I just I knew they were going to win, something man. In the air, something, something in the air. Something in the air. And I did a I did a five hour TV pregame show uh, leading up to the game. Yeah, from. Uh, 10 to three, I think we did it 10 or 11 to four. I can't remember exactly how long it was, but so it's, you could see it. If you ever, if you, if you really are bored and you want to dig into the archives and and look it up, because I did, I did predict they were going to win, but I don't know why I felt that way. Uh, If you think about it, what they were able to do, they're taking on the goat coach, the goat quarterback and a team that had been a, a dynasty. That is a dynasty that had beaten them. And you're doing it with a backup quarterback and backup players at key positions, yet you were still able to do it. Um, I, to this day, I still sit there and think, how did that even happen, man? How did how were they able to do it? It's incredible that it happened. It really is. Uh, that day, um, there's so many emotions that went through my mind that morning, that afternoon, that night. It was one of the most magical experiences I've ever had in my life. Yeah, and there's 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 nothing there there's no sports memory there's no sports feeling in my lifetime that trumps that. Yeah. Um, I saw this team lose the Super Bowl. I saw this team losing the NFC Championship games. Uh, I lost them. I saw them losing divisional rounds and wild cards, and saw them not play up to the standard many a times. And lo and behold, we saw that moment. And like you, I was fired up. I was feeling it. I was confident. I was I was gaudy. I was just, I, I was ready to crush some skulls that day. And the moment I knew that we were winning that game, like I had a feeling, but the moment that it became solidified, actually there were two distinct moments. And this is this is when the game was, you know, was, was beginning to start. Mm-hmm. There were two distinct moments. You know, the Patriots came out, you know, they came out to Thunderstruck. Okay, whatever. Then the Eagles came out. They came out to Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mill. Mm-hmm. Hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> Y'all thought I was finished? Yep. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. It was a movie. Mm-hmm. That was the first moment I knew, oh, we're winning this game and we ain't taking no prisoners. Mm-hmm. The second moment, the, the Patriots are moving the ball. Tom Brady, deli- Tom Brady delivers a strike to Brandon Cooks. Oh. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks catches the ball. He's running in a circle to try to find his running lane. And all of a sudden, Malcolm Jenkins comes in and lays him the fuck out. Yeah, it was and like... Guess what? 
Okay. That's when I at, at that month, that was the second moment I said, Oh, we hit in a day, we win in mm-hmm. this game, point blank, period. It don't matter how I would get done, it's getting yeah. done. Yeah. So, you know, I cried like a baby that day. Oh, I cried. I held my, I like to see my dad's face, you know, to watch the experience there with the family. Yeah. And it was just, it was magic. It was pure magic. There was nothing that can be taken away from us in that moment. We were, we were legitimate. Yeah. We were we 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 earned our seat at the table. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? It just yeah. It was it no. Was, it, 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 it was, was beyond magic. recognition. It was beyond comprehension. It was astronomical. It was it, intergalactic. It was just the stars aligned. It, it was Come the on, reason man. why you put yourself through all the torture of all the losing and all the injuries and all the other stuff. Uh, you know that that you had to go through uh, mm. during that time. I get a kick out of guys like like Anthony. Uh, Would it surprise you that I interviewed Meek Mill uh, regarding his Eagle fandom? It might if you actually did your homework and had a bit. (laughs) Yeah, listen, don't play my man Rob. He down. What are you talking about? Play my guy Rob. That's okay. Let let the ignorance flow. But that's all right. Um, So the I'll tell you when I really knew, man. When I real like like there was a lot of moments throughout the course. Yeah, you you had feelings, but what what was that signature moment? Here's what I love. We're winning this game. I'm in a newsroom at NBC Sports Philadelphia because I was doing post game. Also, I had to do right. I had to do a post game show because uh, Gunner and Michael Barkan and Seth and all those guys couldn't start their post game show until NBC wrapped up their post game show nationally. So right. we we're the first people on. Um, so I'm we're in the newsroom and and people start debating at the end of the first half: should you kick a field goal or should you go for it here? Okay, this you know where I'm going. This turned mm-hmm. into really special, and I'm I'm having this debate with somebody who was who was a really smart football person, and my only he was saying kick the field goal. My only counter to that person was, you're not stopping Brady. You have to. You, you've got here by being aggressive. You've been aggressive this whole game. If Doug kicks a field goal here, it's a massive mistake, and I love 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 that he took the suggestion from, from Nick and just rolled with it. Dude, that is cold. Cold blood. See, you see. Those think are, about that moment. Those, You're not, it's not, a, that's not a preseason or regular season game. You're saying, yeah, and, let's do it in a and, Super Bowl. And think about how fast things are moving. Yeah. You know what I mean? In that moment, the heat of the moment, you know, they go to the oh. sideline. It's fourth down. Uh, Nick Foles says, hey, it, it wasn't no hesitation from Nick. He walked over and said, Philly, Philly. It was D- awesome. Because Doug, remember, Doug, Doug is looking at the place. Oh, Doug's sitting there. Doug's, Doug's like, Doug's, Doug's Doug's like okay, uh, what, are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Okay, okay. And I don't know where Nick Foles comes over. Hey, Philly, Philly. And Doug does this. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and can you imagine, though, just being, like, just being Nick, number one, hearing that. You're like, dude, I'm going to make this happen no matter what. And then, he, and then he gives it to them in the huddle. Like, those guys had to be like, oh, yeah, hey, all right. Because um they uh, they said they only practiced that play one time, yeah, one time, yeah. And, How about um, this too? You want to hear the craziest part? So think about this: that play involved uh, Trey Burton, mm-hmm. Corey uh, Clement, Corey Clement, both undrafted free agents. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that he you know Burton's throwing it to Nick. Who, former, who, who, he who was, was a former quarterback, I think, in high school, right? He was a former quarterback in high school or college, something like that, Trey Burton. One of the other. He was. He was. And then he went to Florida, and, you know, I forget, Cam Newton was there. I, I don't know what happened. It ended up happening because Newton was there before he, he transferred anyway. But, yeah, you're right. 
So anyway, and the play were, but but that had to like you had to say to Belichick because here's the irony too, they ran a trick play earlier which Brady dropped, which mm-hmm. was a good throw, very good throw. I'm sure Belichick and Matt Patricia, our old buddy, are walking off the field like, whoa, okay. Okay, this is a little different than what we're accustomed to. These guys are going all, 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 all out. All right, Dan, so Mm -hmm. the question is more excited. I would say more excited 2018 because I had never seen a Super Bowl win for the Eagles. I had never seen a championship for the Eagles. Yeah, Yeah, last year, this year was a bummer, but it's easy. It's 2018. Yeah, yeah, it sucked losing that Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, But winning that one. That the, those feelings trumped any other feelings I may have experienced. But don't get me wrong, losing that twenty-two Super Bowl, the way we lost and where I was and what I had to endure, yeah. losing that game, it 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 stuck with me, and I just couldn't help but just because I rewatched that game, and I'm just seeing moments where I felt like Nick Sirianni got passive. Yeah. Um And then when you hear the quarterback say to Nick Sirianni at a later date, "Hey, we should have went for it there." Yeah, you know what I mean. When you hear that, it's like. You know, well, and that, and, I, and and if I'm being completely honest with y'all, that was the first moment I said to myself, "Is Nick Sirianni the guy?" Yeah, no, I'm I being heard. honest. I'm, if I'm being honest, yeah, I'm, that was the first moment I said to myself, "Is he the guy?" Because in order to win those kind of games, there's going to come decisions. There's going to be moments where you have to make decisions that aren't on the play sheet, that aren't, and okay. you know that, that that can't be told, you know, from the nerds in the analytics room. There's going to, in order to win the Super Bowl, it's going to you're going to have to really lean on instinct, and guts, and fury to win those kind of games. Well, I think too. Uh, yeah. The, no, the no, other, you're good. You're good. No, I, I just think the other thing too is, and I, I don't like. I'm not looking at. I want to enjoy myself for five minutes, so I'm going to look at the, the Super Bowl they won instead of looking at the Super Bowl they lost. That's mm-hmm. just me. Mm-hmm. Um. But there were so many moments in that game, like the catch by Clement, which I'm still not sure he caught it, but they ruled it a catch. Yo, that ref was rolling. I'll be uh, honest, you know that main yeah. ref. Because like, did you watch the sound effects? Like the um. Oh, it's great. The mic'd up stuff. Yeah, yeah, the mic'd up stuff. R- Ray Diddy's son David had the mic on on Nick Foles. That's David Didinger. He's wow. the, he knew about the Philly special. There were three people in the world who knew about the Philly special when it happened. When when Nick suggested it, Nick, Doug Peterson, and David Didinger. Wow. That's it. Nobody else knew. David, after the game was over, <clears throat> went to Ray and met him up in the post-game thing and the other big hug and all that that they did and said, did you know Nick Foles called that? Nobody knew up until that point. Sure. Yeah, so anyway, but but there was that. There was the play that you pointed out, fourth and five from their own 45, mm-hmm. okay, where if they punt, it's over. Brady was, was like a Ginsu. He was slicing and dicing mm-hmm. at that point. And you went for it and got it, and that ends up being the the, the touchdown for Zach Ertz. That was that drive. I'm I can't believe you, man, Doug, in hindsight, dude, Doug was on it every second of that game. In, in in hindsight, I I don't believe that that touchdown was even a question. You know what I mean? In hindsight, but oh, you're right. Zach Ertz um, one should never yeah. never touch the ground. The, the 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 fact that it lasted that long, I was like, okay, nonetheless. But um, because I felt like the Corey Clement one was more questionable. That one, but let's be honest, that. Mm, that one was but listen that's why i rock with that head ref that head i forget who his name was but the head referee for that game because you when the the game first started you can just tell that he was like hey we're gonna have some fun today i can feel it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and guess what and guess what we're not gonna stop like i could just tell by his energy that he was just very laid back very you know hey man 
we're in the Super Bowl, man. We're going to ball out today. It just felt like that. So um, I really, I really like that he uh, overruled the guys because when you listen to him, he was mic'd up as well, and he said, um, "You see, you see the catch, and he still has control." So that's so. So in my opinion, he's in. So I'm like, hey, he had control to me too, player. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, an- another play that stands out to me in that game, man. Yo, Alshon Jeffrey was on a. Mission. Oh, how about the first catch? Remember, and, remember, and, and, and by remember way, the that, pre-game interview he had oh, on yeah, yeah, yeah. week? Had the sunglasses yep. on, had the scully, and yep. uh, the guy was talking to him and, you know, on uh, Radio Row, and he was yeah. just like, quite honestly, I think all of this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I don't understand why we couldn't play in Philly, but, hey, you know, yeah. you know I'm just – But but that's you know, also when you knew – so Nick drops a freaking dime to him. He makes the great catch in the back of the end zone with he's, a torn he's, he's rotator cuff. Torn, uh, yeah, he's playing. He's playing. He needed Tommy John surgery or not Tommy John. He had a torn, yeah, torn uh, labrum. Tor- yeah, torn. It was the labrum or rotator cuff? Rotator cuff. Rotator cuff. Yeah, he had yeah, a torn, torn rotator, rotator cuff. cuff. But that's when you're also like, okay, Nick's on. Nick's in his zone. Like, uh, okay, they're going to yeah, at least be able pass, to hang yeah. with them today. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was incredible. He was, pl- he was playing at such a high level. Um, that two game stretch, we've never seen that anything like it. No, um, from you know, from Minnesota, you know, you would never see anything like that. He he was in such a zone. That's the kind of zone that you're in that you can't replicate. No, you know what I mean. Nope. nope that's the kind. Of, that's the kind of zone that you can't. There's no math involved with that. That's just pure aura. Yeah. That's no, the, pure zen. He carried that NFC Championship game right on over, and the moment was not too big for him. Like he was, there was never a moment where you felt like even the interception. Alshon juggled it, probably should have had it on the sideline. You remember Nick had the yeah, one yeah, pick yeah, that wasn't that. on him. He was just unbelievable. And you're right, like Gunner was Gunner threw it out there. Like when you had, even though the defense was bad that day, when you had to have a play, you you got one man in the biggest moment. And that, that's the difference, again, I'll, I'll go back to last year for a minute. When you had to get a stop, that the Eagles defense last year couldn't get one against Mahomes. But yeah, that's what, pissed, one against that's what pissed me off the most. It's like, y'all couldn't get one stop. Like, you guys are – like, that's disappointing. Like, yeah. that's – it's it's borderline unacceptable. You were dominating yeah. that game. They get one stop and they win that game. One. Yeah. One. You make that's them it. put one time. That's all you need. game. Yeah. It was awesome. It was, and, and then you know the aftermath was great too because for all those years, and we all have these friends, these weasel friends who are who are either cowboy giant or you know Washington commander friends, and they would always say, "Oh, how many rings do you have?" And you could never say anything back. I mean, you had championships, but you didn't have Super Bowls. You could right. never say anything back to them. Finally, like you could put that crap to rest where they couldn't say it to you anymore. That that was another nice thing that you had a trump card to go. Wham! Right back at them with absolutely, and um, you know it's just the city deserved it, man. They did. The city, the city, been they through did. so many ups and downs with the organization, with other teams. You know, everything just seemed like it was falling into place. Yep. Um, I can't. I can't. No, it was great. It was. It was. It was I'm, an unbelievable I'm speechless. Moment. I'm it speechless. Was an man. Unbelievable, moment. Chuck. I was actually at that. At, hold on. I was at that same game. Alshon this year. Alshon Jeffrey went to the University of South Carolina. It's, it's the game I went down to visit my daughter. They honored him at the Mississippi State game. He was number one. He wore number one, I believe, at at South Carolina, and they honored him before the game. It was nice. They did. They did him really well there. He's from that town. He's from the Columbia area, so it was really cool. 
Anyway. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, and every time on Twitter, you always see him posting fly goes fly all the time. Yeah. All the time, man. All right. Let's get it in here and let's come back. We'll talk NFL. Uh, we'll get into a bunch of different things. A uh, lot of coordinator gigs landed. Some other stuff, the NFL, some Super Bowl stuff. We'll dive into all of it when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Tone, Rob, on this Friday. All right, let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. And they offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. And they are experts at trimming all types of trees. And they serve Southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and Northern Delaware. You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for a sampling of their work or a little more information. Uh, give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, final hour of the program. Tone lets us set our sights here on the NFL. Uh, a couple things here. Cliff Kingsbury, who interviewed for the Eagles OC job, uh, will be joining the Raiders as their offensive coordinator. And, you know, right now um, they don't really have anything firmly in place quarterback-wise. Jimmy G is going to be gone. Aiden O'Connell jumped in there last year. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think he's the future there. Uh, they may think differently. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if they end up going after a quarterback in the draft or what their, you know, what their stance is there. Yeah, um, they got to figure out what the future what the future is at running back. Um, I don't think Josh Jacobs is coming back there. Obviously, uh, Devontae Adams, does he still want out? Does he want, you know, what's the play, what's the game plan there? Yeah. Uh, the Raiders got to – they're one of the more interesting franchises because you really don't know what their future holds. Um, and they still found a way to win, what, eight games this year? Something like that? Yeah, right around there. Yeah. They weren't eliminated until so, the end of the season. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, as a matter of fact, I want to make sure I got this right. Yeah, they went eight and nine. Eight and nine. Okay. So this is <laughs> this is something this is something that they're gonna have to work their way through. But I don't know if Aiden Con uh, Aiden O'Connell, you're right. I don't know if he's the answer. Um, but Cliff Kingsbury, hey man. Um Salute yeah. you guys, man. And um, I'm not the biggest Cliff Kingsbury dude. Oh, I I got you with that one. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are set to hire Liam Cohn as their offensive coordinator. He was with the Rams a couple, I think, two stints. He was with Kentucky as their offensive coordinator. He he runs a very similar style to what they're running now. And mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield, if they do resign him, Baker Mayfield was with the Rams. If you remember last year to close out the season. So he's a guy who the, the offense that he runs is, is very conducive to what Baker likes. So smart. I mean, it's a smart hire if, you, if you're keeping yeah. Baker around. It seems like that's what their plan is. Yeah, it's definitely smart. Um, you know, Baker played well enough to the point where I would definitely, I would definitely wouldn't mind extending him maybe two years or something like that. You know, as as my bridge quarterback to see, um, you know what the you know what the quarterback landscape. And take a chance on be. somebody later in the draft, maybe. Yeah, the- yeah. What I would do, um, if I'm Tampa, I'm still drafting a quarterback this year. Still, I'm drafting. I'm, I'm drafting. Maybe it's the third. Maybe it's the fourth round. You never know. But I'm drafting one, and I'm going to try to develop him. Try to and, and try to work and, and try to work it out and see what I see what I can find there. Um, because they made it to the playoffs and they beat us, their their draft position isn't going to be the best. Um, they they they're going to lose Mike Evans, um, so we don't know what the future holds there. But if I'm them, I'm drafting a quarterback, and I'm going to try to uh, try to develop him. Okay, okay, interesting. Uh, yeah. I think it's a good way to go. I do. Yeah, I'm drafting a quarterback every year. I'm drafting one this year. I'm going to draft one probably in the fifth or sixth round the following year. I'm going, I just want to give myself enough bullets in the gun in case I miss the target. Well, it makes sense. You no, know, it does. It makes sense. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, we mentioned this yesterday, retiring. He's going to take over as head coach of his high school team. I'm he graduated mayor. from Miami oh, Northwestern Senior High. That's uh, pretty cool. Produced a lot of good players over the years. That's cool, man. Get that's back, cool. And, and obviously, he doesn't need the job, but that's no. what he wants to do. That's awesome. 
Yeah. And he's, he, I, that doesn't surprise you one bit, the kind of guy he is. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. All right. Uh, elsewhere, Jim Harbaugh, uh, the goal is to win multiple, multiple titles. His, his framing of the, of the answer. So he's coming in with high, high goals here for this team. As he should. I mean, you're coming into a situation where you got a quarterback. Uh, the offense is fairly talented. The defense is actually fairly talented as well. Um, they just battled a lot of injuries throughout the season. Um, Brandon Staley had had no idea what he was doing. Um, but overall, I like that situation for Jim Harbaugh. You know, it's always better to go into a situation where you got a legitimate quarterback to work with. Everything else can be you know can work itself out. All right, you're gonna love this tone. Am you, I? You, you thought we were done with this story. We're not. Amit Patel, who was the Jacksonville Jaguars employee who worked on the financial side of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Did okay. the documentary come out yet? <laughs> not yet. Uh, but you remember he essentially stole like $22 million off of the franchise somehow, somehow, uh, somehow, some way. How did somebody steal $22 million from you? That's wild. It was from, yeah, he had he had access to a credit card. I, I don't know how it, nobody picked up on any of this, by the way. He did it over three years. That's still a lot of money. It's seven million a year. This cat was was you know. All I can say is it's the Jags. <laughs> Unbelievable. But listen to this. So now the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise has asked FanDuel because apparently he he blew a lot of this on gambling. Has asked FanDuel to reimburse them for some or all of the approximate twenty million dollars in stolen proceeds from this guy. Like FanDuel, I'm like, not our problem. FanDuel's like, yeah, okay, next try. We appreciate your call. We'll, we'll you get know, back to you. Because this dude stole from you and 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 used our come on, man. That's like that's like that's like somebody's robbing me and then taking whatever they stole from me and going to a car dealership and going crazy. And I come to the car dealership and say, Hey, um, <laughs> I know this happened, but do you think you guys can take this car back at same at the same market value that I, the guy bought it in? Can I get reimbursed on my car? It's like, call the bank. What are you talking about? So again, <laughs> Jacksonville, call your credit card provider and see right. if they can reimburse you. Come yeah. on now, stop it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see stop where that goes. They're hoping for some kind of settlement, which means it, they take give us seven million back and we'd be good or something. Who knows? Listen, you, you, one thing I always say: you don't know unless you ask. <laughs> it's true. You never know until you ask. Yeah, take a shot. Shoot your shot, uh, Jags. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Uh, interesting story here. So the Titans hired uh, a new offensive coordinator named Nick Holtz. Nick Holtz uh, was the passing game coordinator uh, for the Jaguars. Um, but he has long ties to Brian Callahan, who's the head coach now with the Titans. They actually played high school ball together. They were – the three of them were on the same team with Maurice Jones Drew mm-hmm. at De La Salle High School in California. So, you know, everything I guess comes full circle, man. But he's uh he's coming back to join um join Brian Callahan, who who they they all they all played together. Uh, the other cool part of this thing is Bill Callahan, the longtime NFL coach who's the offensive line coach with the Browns, who's who's right there with Jeff Stoutland in terms of like the mm-hmm. best offensive line coaches. The Browns reportedly will allow him, will allow Callahan out of his deal to go take the same job with his son in Tennessee, which is, yeah, you're doing the right thing. They don't have to do it, but they're doing. That's the right cute. Of course, um, yeah. you know that's that's, that's, a, that's a fun story. Uh, you know, any reports that he'll take him up on the offer? 
that we haven't heard yet. I would assume if that's even being floated that we're hearing it, you know? Yeah. It's pretty but cool, that, though. Like, yeah, yeah. Th th I think it'll happen. I do. Um, so you remember the uh, the Ravens really got away from, you know, the running game in that loss to the Chiefs mm -hmm. uh, in that game. The team's running backs only uh, ran the ball six times in the game, and they only mm -hmm. had 16 rushing, att rushing attempts as a team. So um, John Harbaugh was asked about it. He said, um, you know, basically that's not how games are won uh, in the, in the AFC championship game. Um, you know, I, I think he got way too. What does meaning, he mean by that? I think he was kind of defending it. Harbaugh went on to say that sometimes you, you need to be willing to get big and run the ball. So I guess he, he's kind of copping to it now, like backing out of it a little bit. Um, he did. Yeah. So he basically said hey, that we have to, to, in other words, he's saying to win, we would have to run it a little bit more because he sort of defended it initially. Right. Uh, he said, when you look back at the way the game played out, you can understand it from a football perspective. But once you get through all of that and really come back, you want to run the ball against the Chiefs. There's no doubt about it. Um, and we did want to run the ball against the Chiefs, but we weren't able to get it. So I'm sure there's a conversation. They're not going to make any moves. They just brought in that offensive coordinator and he was very good for them. Uh, yeah, Tom Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm sure there was a conversation had, you know, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was a name that people were considering for head coaching jobs, but I think um, he's going to have to give the Ravens one more year of solid, yeah. solid uh, play calling, you know, so he can legitimately be considered because I think a lot of people looked at that Ravens team in that game and said, what the hell happened? Yep. Like what, like what happened? And I think we all ask ourselves that question. Mm -hmm. And the obvious, yeah, the obvious answer is they got away from who they were. They overthought it. They overcooked it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So this, uh, so we got a little bulletin board material, perhaps, perhaps. You tell me if you think this is uh, bulletin board material. Okay. Nick Bosa, who is the defensive end for the Niners, said oh that God. when study, he's he's always he's always yapping, by the way, but he's a great player. He's always talking. When studying the Chiefs' offensive tackles on film, he sees a lot of penalties. Asked for his assessment of Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor, Bosa said they both stand out because they hold a lot. So according to NFLpenalties.com, I didn't even know that was a thing, Taylor led the NFL with 20 penalties in 2023, including eight holding flags. Smith mm. was called for five, four of which for, were for holding. And then Niners owner Jed York is also complaining about what he thought was an uncalled holding penalty committed by the Chiefs against Bosa in Super Bowl 54. He's going oh my back God. to that. And okay. the Niners are hoping that the officials will be calling this more closely. Like, they're really starting this. N Niners, don't lose the game before it starts. Oh, okay? my God. Th this is – they're clearly trying to plant a seed in the officials' heads before the game even starts. That's what this is. That's all it is. But, um, look, man, when you're the teams that are in the game, you have the right to talk about anything you want. It's the bottom line, man. When You know, when you're not in it, when you're home on the couch, all you can do is be a spectator. You know, so I respect the game in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, listen, I, I agree with you. Um. Mentioned, uh, passed, passed us on yesterday, became official today. Denard Wilson is the Titans defensive coordinator now. Con was congratulations to him. Defensive. About yeah. time he got that job. Yeah, good for him. Good for him, man. Um, did you, do you know that there's a, uh, there's a theory of collusion uh, when it comes to NFL head coaching pay? Really? So a, a report emerged earlier this week that the Lions, you remember Ben Johnson was asking for like crazy money. Mm -hmm. Um you know, with the with the asking price, we heard around fifteen million. 
Many believe the NFL colludes when it comes to paying their head coaches. There's a loose understanding as the theory goes. This is according to Pro Football Talk uh, among owners as to to how much they will and won't spend here um, on their head, head coaching gigs. I, I don't know, man. I mean, didn't Harbaugh just get reportedly 16? Something like that. Yeah, he got like 16, 17. He got a lot of money. Got so, a lot of money. Is, is there really a conspiracy here to collude? I don't know. You know, Harbaugh is a big name, so a lot of people knew he was going to have. Yeah, him. like he has more juice than Ben Johnson does. Right. Because he's- I think they're more so talking about, you know, you know how when it comes to the players, you have the top tier guys who make most of the money, and then yeah, to have the, and have not. Right. You, you have the teams. chunk of people who make less of it. I think that's yeah. probably. I think they're more so talking about that chunk of head coach who doesn't fall into that 15, 16, 17, 18 million dollar category like a Belichick, like a Harbaugh, like a Sean Payton. You know what I mean? I think they're yeah. really talking about those newer guys um i'll say this though about the whole head coaching cycle this year i got a lot of respect for guys like slowick and both johnsons um from houston and um uh ben, detroit ben johnson and gerard johnson i respect the yeah, way they ben johnson gerard J- jared johnson who was in uh jared johnson uh, excuse me um yeah, i respect uh, uh, texans texans yes yes i respect the way those coordinators handled their coaching interviews because they basically said "Mm, you know what I'm going to pass because I think what's going on is a lot of these organizations they're hiring these young guys because they know they're more controllable and also they don't have as much equity or power as an established guy so you you can get away with paying them less you can get away with controlling more so what goes on and you know, you know how we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles from a controlling aspect, you know, the front office and ownership and coaching, all that kind of stuff. That's a league-wide issue. And I think these new crop of coaches, these coordinators are looking at it like, first of all, you're not gonna shortchange me. But even beyond that, you're not gonna you're not gonna put me in a situation or I'm not gonna take a job where it's really a project. I really have to fix some things and I don't have full control. And then you're gonna then you're gonna judge me. Based on as if I had full control, you're going to fire me one two, three years because I didn't give you the results you wanted. But I don't have full control knowing this is a big ass project. So I think these coaches are just taking control of their own destiny and saying, look, you're not you're not going to turn me into a lame duck head coach the moment I signed it out of line. OK, unless 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 you're willing to pay me to give me full control of repairing this thing, I don't want the job. And I think a lot of these coaches are kind of leaning on leaning on that side of things. Yeah. And and I, I see your stand, your your point of view. I think it's a gutsy thing to do. Very gutsy. Very. Blow up in your face. Um, you know what I mean? Because if you don't let there's certain things you can't control as a coordinator. If Jared Goff goes down, Ben Johnson's offense could dip and he's not going to get a chance. Mm-hmm. So there's a risk. There's a really high risk level involved for, for these guys that are willing to do this. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of these guys are probably looking at it like, look, I'm young. I'm in my 40s. Right. You know, I'm going to have another opportunity. It's going to come. People, Listen, teams get fired. Players, coaches get fired all the time. There's going to be opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the Byron Leftwood situation, you ask yourself, mm, will it, though? So uh, you damn if you do, damn if you don't. You know, you are rolling the dice, as you know, you know, as you would say, um, you're 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 taking a risk and it could all blow up in your face. Yeah. But, you know, right. it's the, the name of the game, baby. No risk, it, no biscuit. This annoyed me to no end. OK, uh, so the NFL put out another one of their reports saying that there's basically no difference between 
you know, real grass and the synthetic stuff. Why would I trust in terms of injuries? <laughs> like, get out of here, man. We, uh, would- how many more games do we have to watch at MetLife where guys are just crumbling like like a house of cards? Why would I trust the NFL to investigate their own turf? Mm-hmm. Really? That's like that's like hiring a restaurant owner to health inspect his own restaurant. Really? How how truthful are you going to be? You know, you can fudge up the numbers. You can whatever the research, but however, whatever, however they're gauging this, whatever the metrics they use to determine this um this conclusion about you know, the turf and the grass and the, the comparison, all that kind of stuff. They probably fudged it all up, you know, however they decided to go about it. I'm not buying that, man. I'm not rolling with that. It's it's too many instances that we've seen players get hurt more so on turf. I'm not, I'm not rolling with that. Um, Like I said, I'm not hiring the restaurant owner to inspect his own restaurant. That's silly. So why would I trust the NFL to inspect their own turf as if they're going to be unbiased? It's utter BS. It, not, it, rolling, it, not rolling with that. It's utter BS. Um, and I really hope this is where I hope the players union digs in on this. You you guys can all afford to get real grass. You can figure it out in domes that with this, with that, you know, that system they have in, in, in certain domes where you bring it out, bring it in, whatever, figure it out guys. Cause it's just not worth it. Uh, right. Keenan Allen wants to stay as a charger. I wouldn't want to go anywhere either with hardball coming in. You know, I, I think it's of course real and it's LA. Yeah. Why would I want to go anywhere? Right. But I, you know, you think about the passing game and what what this potentially could look like with with a real guy with with Justin Herbert. Man, you know, I, I think it could be on there. It, should, it, should, it better be. It better be because uh, the clock is ticking. You know, right now Herbert has the stigma that he can't win big games and he can't get you to he can't win games. Period. You know, he's talented. I want to put up the numbers. But right now, the right now the you know the the flaw of his game is he doesn't win. So, uh, I think I think Jim Harbaugh could could change that. It all remains to be seen. Just how I feel about the Kellen Moore hire is it's a quality hire, but will it work? We'll find out. Jim Harbaugh quality hire, but will it work? We'll find out. Yeah, absolutely. All right, <clears throat> Mike Zimmer, name that might sound familiar, longtime Vikings coach. Uh, mm-hmm. He was also a a coach in Dallas for a long time. Uh, he says he would be interested in returning there to take over the defensive coordinator position, which Dan Quinn left to take over in Washington. Hmm. How long has it been since Mike Zimmer's been a DC in the NFL? Because I know he was on um, he was on Dion staff in Jackson State, right? He helped. He helped Dion. Yeah, he helped Dion. Uh, well, he's only been away from Minnesota for two years, I believe, right? As the yeah, head coach, I yeah, think- he hasn't been out that long. I don't know why I feel see in the NFL is like dog years. It just seems like time just gets away from you. I know. Yeah. But he, ha- it hasn't been that long. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, I, I actually think it'd be probably a pretty good move for them. I don't know yeah, what direction again, they're looking a, to go here. Again, he's a quality coach for sure. Um, quality DC, um, you know, his time in Minnesota was, you know, up and down, but they were always kind of in the mix in the playoff mix for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think that's. I think. I think that that'll be a solid hire. I think so. Mike Zimmer. It, it won't move too far off of what they've already been doing. Right. Right. So I, I don't know. We'll just keep your eye on that one. Um, yeah. I. I don't know. Like if I look at the NFC East right now, I see the Eagles in Dallas in kind of a similar situation. They both hmm, kept their right. head coach. Well, they're, they both kept their head coach. Um, 
they both had very disappointing endings to their season after really high expectations again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of their coaches are a a similar down season away from from blowing being blown out. Um, and they've they have some coordinator turnover. So I do think there's some similarities with those two teams. And I don't know how you feel about it, but you know, I go into next year and I think they're kind of neck and neck. Like who would you say if you're looking at the NFC East? Does anybody really stand out to you? I mean, Washington no. lost has a new coach. They lost Dallas lost their coordinator because of it. The Giants were a train wreck. They still have Daniel Jones. I still I would say it's the Eagles division to win, but but I think Dallas is right there with them. Agreed. And then there's nothing, you know, there's nothing about both teams that makes me feel like they're head and shoulders above, you know, their contemporaries. Both of those teams um played below expectations in the playoffs. Um, both of those teams had high expectations entering the season. Um, they both teams ended up ended up splitting on the season. Um, the, the the Cowboys only locked up the division with one more win. So it was just like they were really nip and tuck all year, if we're being quite honest about it. Both of those teams can either take a big step forward or a big step back next season. True. Very true. All right. Uh, there's no specific prop bets for the Super Bowl for anything really directly tied into Taylor Swift, right? But there's a there's even more prop bets than usual for Travis Kelsey. Of course which, there are. Of course there is. So uh, I'll just give you a couple from ESPN bet. Travis Kelsey touchdown odds are plus one hundred five. I, I like to him for him to at least get one. Mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey touchdown Chiefs win plus two ninety. I actually would grab that as well. Travis Kelsey over under seven and a half catches. What do you think? Over under seven and a half. Yeah, taking have over. more or less than seven and a half. You like the I'm over. taking the over all day. Okay, all day. First touchdown, Travis Kelsey. I actually like that too. Uh, plus seven fifty. I do like that. Kelsey Travis, Kelsey's gonna listen. Kelsey's gonna eat in this game. He's yeah. gonna eat. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Do you um, think Fred Warner can limit him? Yeah, I think Fred Warner and and their linebackers can do as good a job as anybody in in the NFL on him. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing is, Mahomes targets him so much, and he's such the the safety blanket guy. You know, all if all fails, he's he's looking for him first and foremost. So I don't think he should. I and he's just too good, and, and he's hot now too. He's on a he's on a bit of a he's, heater. He's feeling it now. Yeah, he's back. He's, he's back. He's, he's back on road. He's feeling it. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to have a big game. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let me give you a couple other Kelseys here. Two touchdowns. I wouldn't touch that one, but two touchdowns and the Chiefs win is plus one thousand. Yeah, I'm not. Um... I wouldn't get near that. Mm, Two two's a lot. That's that's very much a lot. (laughs) Very much. Kelsey one TD. Chiefs win plus twenty three hundred. I mentioned that one thing. Okay, over under. Whoa, over under two hundred and fifteen and a half yards. You can get it plus twenty five hundred. So you can win a ton uh, on that. Actually, it's plus twenty five thousand. Plus twenty five thousand for Kelsey. I'd drop a little something on that just for the payoff. Right. That's and, 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 and what's the stat? What is it? You said how many yards? Two hundred and fifteen and a half. 
215 and a half yards for, for Travis Kelsey? Just alone. Now, that's one you just you just throw a little something on because it's wow. like scratching a lottery ticket. You know what I mean? Who's the last tight end to have over 200 yards in a game? Great question. Let alone in a Super Bowl. Right. Who's the last tight end to put that, those kind of numbers in a single game? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Live that's, why, that's why the odds are so high. Live chat. Help me out with that. You know, who's yeah. the last tight end? To have a 200 yard receiving game. Love, yeah, I need your help. Help me out with this. Uh, Mike McDonald, we know he took the Seahawks job. He was, he did have an offer to take the uh, commander's job too. And he decided against it. Okay. So for whatever it's worth, he ends up in Seattle uh, in a situation where I think he's going, I think he's going to have success there. I think the guy's a very smart defensive coordinator. The only question they have is, you know, do they have a long term answer at quarterback? I mean, that's really the only. Uh, question you have right now. All right, let's get a timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk some Sixers. Uh, we will talk Sixers with Paul Hudrick from Liberty Ballers about Joel Embiid's injury, uh, about what the timeline could be. Trade deadline coming up February 8th. Tyrese Maxey makes the all-star team. He drops a 50 spot last night. Uh, and just what the future holds here for this team. And also, I'll tell you all the um, on both the uh, what NBA uh, All Star reserves, what guys got named to the NBA All Star reserves? It includes Maxi and Jalen Brunson, but we'll give you everybody who got in uh, when we come back. So we'll talk to Paul when we return. He's Tone. I'm Rob. We'll be right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, what's up, folks? Thanks for hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. I am Rob. That is... Tone. All right. Always, always enjoy talking to our next guest, talking some uh, round ball with our next guest, Paul Hudrick. He does an awesome job covering the uh, the Sixers and the league. He is the editor in chief for Liberty Ballers, and he jumps on with us right now. He was kind enough to accommodate his schedule for us, and we appreciate it. Paul, what's going on, my man? How you doing? I'm doing great, Rob. How are you guys? The beard's great. looking good, man. Great. We haven't seen you. Have we seen you this full with the beard? I I don't remember. Uh, it's been a minute. Uh, you know, the, obviously the hair was um was was quite long at one point, but yeah, uh, yeah we we cleaned that up a little bit. I got married over the summer, so we cleaned that up. For Congratulations. That. Thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, but the, the beard has come and gone. But right now it's the winter, so I'm getting a little grow like on it. for it. Okay. Thank All you. right. You're, you're in game action, man. I like it. All right. So let, let's let's go through a couple things because Sixers fans are going through the range of emotions, Paul, as usual. It's like, you know, you hear the Joel thing and you're not really sure the extent of it. We, we It's a meniscus injury, LCL. We don't even know if it's a tear. And maybe, maybe you can help us with some of this stuff. We don't know if he's going to get surgery. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Sometimes meniscus aren't as bad. Um, but here we, it, it just feels like, here we go again, Groundhog's Day, no pun intended. And we're right back where we started. Yeah. I, I mean, look, you, you know, Rob, I've, I've been covering Joel Embiid since he got here. So uh, I've seen this movie before. I've seen it many times. Um, I made the joke in, in one of our you know, Slack channels with, with SB Nation that, you know, the Sixer season doesn't actually start until Joel Embiid gets injured and we get an ominous and weird <laughs> update. And here we are. So, uh, we're officially in the swing of things. No, it's. The meniscus, from what I understand, it, it, it is so complicated. Uh, as you mentioned, sometimes you can play through it. Sometimes it requires surgery. Uh, you know, it, it, Joel is no stranger to the meniscus. You know, in his rookie year, it got cut short because he had to get surgery on it. Uh, 2021, he had a, a, a slight tear and actually didn't have to get surgery on that. Was able to play through it. Um, at times, you could tell it, it, it hindered him a bit. But for the most part, he looked pretty good. Uh, in 2021, if Ben Simmons could hit a free throw, they're probably in the Eastern Conference Finals, despite him having a tour meniscus. So, yeah, I, I think you're kind of spot on, Rob, that, like, there is so much we still don't know. Um, they, you know, specifically said injured, not torn. I'm not sure how that's – I don't know how you injure your meniscus without tearing it. Uh, we're going to learn more, I, I would hope, in the coming days. 
but I would say maybe that's because it is slight because it's not, you know, a, a severe tear. Um, and then it's going to be up to Joel, whether or not he can play through it. You know, there, there's different kinds of tears. It depends on where you tear it. It's an area that doesn't get good blood flow, but if you do it on this one area and I am getting a crash course in this, cause my wife is an athletic trainer and she is okay. very smart and very wow. good at this stuff. <laughs> but even she's like, you, you can't know, like, unless you're in the medical room with him, unless you're talking to his doctors, you, you don't know. Um, what exactly he's going through, how bad it is. And um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it, it, you've, you've really, to me, like, I'm just, you feel so bad for the guy because he's having an absolutely supernova year. He's playing outstanding, playing hard every night, both ends of the floor. And then this happens and it, it is, it just, it's, it's here we go again. And I'm sure no one feels worse about it than him. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Paul, for coming on. We appreciate your time. Um, when I think about this injury, the first thing that comes to mind is okay, how would the Philadelphia 76ers manage throughout the season going into the playoffs with, you know, with or without him? I'm looking at this as a prime opportunity for Terrence Maxey to continue to solidify himself as a legitimate superstar in this NBA. What do you think is the best case scenario for the Philadelphia 76ers right now, knowing that Joel and B could miss extended time? Um, could can this team tread water? Should they try to aim for a fifth or sixth seed if they can't keep that third seed or the fourth seed where they are. What's the perfect scenario for this team, knowing what we know about Joel Embiid's injury and also where Tyrese Maxey's game is going right now? Yeah, I would say depending on where Joel is, um, whatever path they have to take, that's going to get him to the playoffs healthy. So if he has to have that surgery and he's and he has to miss six weeks, but he can be healthy for the playoffs, that that's – to me, that's like your only option, right? Like, it's like if he's not healthy, you don't stand a chance. It doesn't matter what seed you are. It just doesn't matter. You need him to be Joel Embiid in order for this to go anywhere. Um, I would say if that's the case, if he's going to miss an extended period of time here, I do think they need another big, uh, you know, Paul Reed has had moments, you know, he's great against Denver, obviously. Uh, Mo Bamba was, was pretty good down the stretch last mm-hmm. night against Utah, but he's been very up and down. He's been in and out of the lineup. He's been inconsistent. So I think they maybe need just a, a stable backup big, just a guy who, you know, is going to play, who's durable, who can protect the rim, who can grab rebounds. Like just as simple as that sounds, I think that's the kind of big they need just to kind of um, right the ship. Because as you already alluded to, you're not going to find a big that's going to replace Joel Embiid. It's not possible. Right. You, you, the scoring void is going to be filled by Maxi. It's going to be filled by Tobias Harris. It's going to be filled by, you know, Kelly Oubre. Like it's going to be filled by other guys, but you need a big who can protect the rim like Joel Embiid. You need a, a big that can, you know, grab rebounds. You you need a guy like that who, who can just, again, just stabilize things. So um, I, I don't disagree with your point that, you know, this is, this is a really, this is a golden opportunity for Tyrese Maxi to really thrust himself kind of into that conversation. We already saw, you know, not much better than getting named an all-star and then on TNT dropping 51 points. I mean, that's right. good. Correct. But yeah, over a sustained stretch without Joel Embiid, how, you know, how does he do it? But at the same time, his, like I think having Joel Embiid is so good for him because it takes so much pressure off him because he plays so well off of Joel. So, um, I, you know, obviously you'd rather have Joel Embiid in the lineup. But yeah, this is a stretch where Maxi can – really learn how to thrive without him uh, that could long-term be a really good benefit for the Sixers it could be a really long-term benefit for Tyrese Maxey because then when Joel Embiid gets back let's say he's not quite himself well if Tyrese Maxey can can be that guy 
yeah. and score, you know, maybe closer to 30 points a game. And Joel kind of, you know, dials it right. down a little right. bit. At least until he gets back into the swing, right? Exactly. So, so maybe it just takes the pressure and maybe it just takes pressure off Joel. So he doesn't feel like, oh, I have to be back. Like I have to play this through this meniscus. So maybe, yeah, maybe that Tyrese Maxey can kind of show Joel and show the front office. Like here, I can, I can manage this for a while. I can keep us afloat until Joel's ready. Paul, let me ask you, we're, we're six days away from the trade deadline and how I, we, it's hard to know how, other than maybe trying to get another, another backup big uh, right now, but, how did you think they were going to go about it before Embiid's injury and and now, other than maybe what you just talked about? Like, how, how big of players do you think they'll be, I guess, is what I'm driving at here. They're going to be active. I, I think either way they're going to be active. Uh, I, my suspicion is it's gonna they're going to go after role players, and I know that doesn't sound exciting, but when I say role players, I'm not saying Matisse Thibel and then for Jalen McDaniels in a second-round pick. Like, I'm talking like pl- a player or players – that could impact the rotation, that could be part of the rotation and actually be factors in the playoff. Um, you know, I, I don't know who that who that that guy is or those guys are. Um, uh, you know, you look at a team like the Brooklyn Nets who are going to be in town tomorrow. Uh, I love Dorian Finney-Smith. I love Royce O'Neal. Those guys are playoff-proven, veteran guys, you know, star role players um, that would fit this team very well. So guys like that. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a guy that I know has been uh, talked about from some from you know from some Sixers fans. Doesn't sound like the Hawks are really in a hurry to trade him because he has such a great contract that actually descends. And when you factor in the new CBA and everything, it's actually a, an excellent contract. But I would say, Rob, like uh, uh, like they're not going to just sit on their hands here. Like they're going to do something that's going to impact the rotation. Like they're going to get a player or players that are going to be factors in the playoffs. Um, and I think I think that Darren Worry would go after a bigger name if a bigger name that made sense was available. Like Zach Levine, there's a reason why Zach Levine's not on another team right now, right? Like there's there's a reason why all the other teams in the NBA are really kind of saying thanks, but no no thanks. And I, I like Zach Levine, talented player, great scorer. I actually think he would be a great fit here, but his knee issues, his contract are scary. And yeah. it's just. It, you, 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 like we all went through the Tobias Harris contract. He's in the last year of that. Now you're going to bring in another guy who's going to have a big yeah. kind of albatross contract. Like, no, you don't want that. Dejounte Murray, I like. I don't love. I don't think he's a. He's a. He's he could be a good fit, but I'm not sure he is. Again, his contract is actually very reasonable. He's in like the 20 million range, so that gives you flexibility going forward. Doesn't handicap you from filling out the rest of your roster after, you know, give Tyrese Maxey the max contract and Joel Embiid already on a max contract. So I, I think if a star player were to become available between now and the deadline, Darren Morey would absolutely be on the phone. Um, he would be intrigued by it. He would be calling and seeing what it would take. But I just think the reality is that player that is a that is both a star and a good fit for the Sixers isn't out there. So I think what Morey is going to try to do is say, Okay, I have Joel Embiid. I have Tyrese Maxey. Um, I have look. I know this. Some people are going to groan when I say this, but you have Tobias Harris under Nick Nurse, who maybe you know Darren Dar- Morey's thinking. Okay, maybe Nick Nurse can get the absolute most out of Tobias Harris. Come playoff time, let's give this a shot because whatever you trade Tobias for isn't going to be enough, right? It's not going to be a, a a deal that's going to make your team better. So, again, I, I think just. Improving that depth and improving the roster around your star players, I think that's what Darren Morey is going to try to do. Yeah, you know, we briefly touched on Tobias Harris a few times, and I think this is a really, really 
um, important time for him. Obviously, the contract is coming to an end, but also um, with Joel B being now, he has to step up. You know, last night he dropped 28 in lieu of um, Tyrese Maxey's 51. And um, that's the kind of Tobias that you want to see, right? A guy that steps up when his number is called. Um, I think it's going to be imperative for Tobias Harris um, to really step up in his playoffs. I think at minimum he needs to average 20 a game for them in the playoffs if, if possible. And maybe that's a little overzealous, but I'm curious to know what your opinion is about Tobias Harris right now, especially with the contract going into the playoffs and be banned out. Um, how much pressure is on him for him to really solidify himself as the legit number three going into the playoffs? A lot of pressure. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, it got overshadowed last night. He was really good. Um, he had a really good Very. game. Um, he had, he, you know, he had a big shot on the baseline in the fourth quarter. He yep. sank some big free throws. Uh, he came up, you know, I think his defense gets a little underrated around here because when he came here, he was a below average defender when he got to Philadelphia and he's turned himself into, to me, a, an above average defender. Um, he's pretty good. Uh, and at six, eight, six, seven, you know, he, he can affect a lot of guys, you know, he can guard taller players. He can guard some smaller players. Like he he's, he's, turned himself into a pretty darn good defensive player but i, I do think yeah I, I mean for them to go anywhere as they're constructed and, and, and like it, like i talked about if they're just going to do this where they're going to add you know a, a, you know star elite role players yeah you, you need tobias harris to be i, I don't want to necessarily put a point total on it or an okay. average but he just needs to be impact, impact. he needs to be efficient um, and he needs to impacts a good word, I think, because he needs to. you need to feel him in a game. He can't go through these stretches uh, where it's like, where's Tobias? Harris? Too often you feel that from him. It's, it's like he, he can be absolutely. a passive player at times. You're right. A yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you see the good version of Tobias Harris, the aggressive version last night where he picked his spots. Well, he knew where he needed to step up, but he also kind of, you know, can can stand back when he needs to. Like he just. He needs to get that feel for, for that. And it's, it is, I, I give him a little bit of, of leeway sometimes because it's hard. Like when you have Joel B scoring 70 <laughs> points in a game, averaging 36, you right. have Tyrese Maxey averaging 26. That doesn't leave a whole ton of opportunities for everyone else. So it, it's not, and that's not to make an excuse for him. That's just to say, it's not always the easiest for a guy like Tobias, who he's kind of like his, his biggest skill is he can score in isolation. And that's a difficult thing to be to for that to be your number one skill when you're playing with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and you're kind of the third option. Um, what I've liked is when Joel Embiid goes to the bench and it's him and Tyrese Maxey out there, him being aggressive. Like the one, even though like typically the, the substitution patterns go, Joel Embiid doesn't start the fourth quarters. It, it's the lineup with Maxey and, and Tobias Harris leading it. He's been really aggressive and really good to start fourth quarters. And that's the thing you need. Like, that's the huge thing. Like when he has these mismatches, when he's playing against the other team's benches, when he's, when he was playing against smaller guys or, you know, bigger guys who he's quicker than like, like we saw with Laurie Markin in last night, he needs to take advantage of those mismatches and make the opponents pay. Um, and, and like, yeah, I, I, again, I go back to the word impact used. I think that's the best word. You have to feel his presence throughout a game. He cannot disappear. Give me tangible reasons why Nick nurse, is a huge upgrade over Doc Rivers. Uh, I mean, we all we all can see it, Paul. But I just yeah. I want from your perspective, what are you seeing differently that he's getting the most out of these guys that maybe they didn't in the past? One thing, is, uh, uh, there's a few things. One is empowering guys, uh, especially mm. offensively. I feel like, and like uh, you know, pa Patrick Beverly has talked about it a lot. Like Patrick Beverly is a guy who, yeah, he's known for his defense. He's known for being tough, being a dog. But like, 
he's a pretty skilled offensive player as well. Like he's a point guard. He's a pretty good passer. You know, the shooting's been a little up and down. It's been better lately. Hit a huge three oh, uh, last night. Monster. Um, he's a really good rebounder for a guard. So like, I, I, but I just think, you know, he, he mentioned that Nick nurse has really empowered him and said, look, you can like, you don't have to pass up open shots. If you have an open shot, you need to take it. Um, like that's, that's how this is going to work. Like you can't do that. So, um, so I think that's one big thing is just empowering guys, empowering Tyrese Maxey. We heard it all throughout the preseason and the start of the year. He said, Tyrese Maxey needs to take 20 shots a game. Mm-hmm. I need him to be that aggressive. So when you, when you're Tyrese Maxey and you have a coach, your head coach is telling you, I need you to take 20 shots a game. Like that's how much more empowered can you feel? So I think right. stuff like that is huge. Um, when you look at the, uh, like, you know, X's and O's stuff that and sets I'll, and whatnot. Yeah. Well, I'll admit that I'm not like the, the biggest, no, I, got those guys, yeah, but yeah. I can tell you, like, you can see it like the, the, the motion around Joel and B like the passing's it, way more crisp. Right. And, and like with even going back to Brett Brown, Brett Brown, it was, you know, Brett Brown, what he liked to do was he kind of ran it similar to what they did in San Antonio with Tim Duncan, where Tim Duncan had the ball on the post and he just, you Tim Duncan knew where everyone was going to be. And there was like a chemistry there and it just didn't really quite work a hundred percent. But now I think with Joel, He's because he, he, I think the most underrated aspect of Joel's game, by the way, is that he is really smart. Like he just picks up on yeah. stuff mm-hmm. really quickly. He sees the floor so well. Um, he incorporates things in his game um, every season, but I think Nick nurse has empowered him as well to be a better passer, to kind of take, take uh, ownership of the offense. Like uh, I know Joel said, he, you know, he studied Denver and he studied uh, golden state and what, what Jokic and what Draymond do kind of, you know, seeing the floor and, yeah. and, you know, and directing guys like he's taking that ownership role and him and Nick nurse kind of shared that vision. So I think all that ball and player movement has helped him. He's and Joel has made quicker decisions, which I think, again, that's Nick nurse. And then defensively, like, quite frankly, it, it's not even close. Like you look at some of the stuff like Nick nurse. And we saw it before he got here, what he, the stuff he would throw at Joel and beat Nick nurse is not afraid to try anything defensively. He will throw mm. anything out there. He will do whatever he can and I, I love what he does, too, as far as if a certain player is just killing them, he's going to say, OK, that's not going to happen anymore. I am going to make sure whatever I do, I am taking this player out of the game and I'm making the other four guys on the court beat me. And if that happens, so be it. But I'm not going to let this player that is actively killing me continue to do that. And I think that was an issue with Doc Rivers. And I quite frankly think that was an issue with Brett Brown is they would just not have that the, the, the adjustments. They were they were kind of rigid. And I think that experimentation, that ingenuity, you see it on a nightly basis with Nick Nurse, him trying things, um, him trying different players, different lineups. Like you just, there's just a, a again, the experimentation, I feel like is, is what's so big. And I think that's how you win in the playoffs, Rob. Like mm-hmm. you have to adjust when it's a long series. And like, like last year against the Celtics, the Celtics figured it out what to do against the J- James Harden, Joel Embiid pick and roll. And then once they figured it out, Doc Rivers didn't have a counter for it. Yeah. You better believe that if a situation occurs like this, Nick Nurse is going to do something different to try to figure it out. Yeah, Paul. You know, we briefly touched we briefly touched on Pat Bev and the chemistry and how Nick Nurse is empowering these guys and put, really allowing them to really um, put themselves in a position and, you know, really putting the onus on them and say, look, the keys is yours. Do your thing. Um, Pat Bev has a really good podcast. He spoke on how... The, the energy, the vibe, the chemistry around the building is just it's, it's it's through the roof and everyone loves coming to work every day. You know, speak on just the shift and 
the dynamic in the locker room between the players. You know, you you you're Ben Simmons is gone, James Harden is gone. Now it's just Joel B and the Tyrese Maxey show. Speak on just that dynamic, the chemistry, and the role players. Because in my humble opinion, I I don't know. It just feels like this group of role players just works and flows better than previous groups of role players we've seen in the Sixers in the Joel B era. What do you think? When it's funny because it does come through when you're watching a play and when you see interviews and all that. But like if you're in that locker room, yeah, I, I mean I can't remember a more kind of lively locker room in, in my time covering the Sixers. Like it really is like alive. Like that's, that's the way to look at it. I think there's a few different components to that. I, I think you're spot on with when you're talking about the role players. And I think that the bigger thing about that is they all like know each other. Like Patrick Beverly played with Tobias Harris. He played with Nico Batum. He played with Marcus Morris. He played with Robert Covington. Um, and, and you know, all these guys know each other. And I think that's, that's huge in and of itself. Um, you know, I think, Marcus Morris has been like a pretty good mentor for Joel and B too. I think they have kind of a, a nice bond they developed. And, and I, you know, the, the leadership that maybe wasn't there in the past is there. Um, and, and then I would say it, it's a, it's a different personalities too. Like you have Patrick Beverly, who is going to talk smack. He's going to get in guys faces. <laughs> right. He's not afraid to, to, you know, call guys out. Then literally they're in the locker room right next to each other. And then you have Nico Batum who is, going to go out there, play his butt off, but just do his job. He's going to be quiet. He's going to, he's going to, you know, teach guys, instruct guys, but he's not going to be that rah-rah guy. It's just not him. Mm. Um, so I think that they're both so good in a different way. So I think the different blends of personality. And then the last thing I would say is when you look at Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, I don't think, and I know Joel loves Jimmy Butler and I know they're still very good friends, but like, I don't think Joel has enjoyed playing with a teammate more than he has played with, with Tyrese mm. Maxey. And I just think that energy is infectious. Like it really is like, it, it might be corny or cliche, but like he, he's smiling every day. He's that's all that is genuine. Like all that is real. Like he is, he's happy to be there. He just is so happy for his opportunities. And I think it does, it rubs off on all the other players on the team. Um, I think that's a big deal. But then the other thing I would say too, is with a guy like that, with a guy like Tyrese or a guy like Batum, those kind of demeanors belie that man, they're, they're pretty competitive too. Like Tyrese Maxey has a pretty competitive side that if you see him up close and if you're around him, like you can see it a little bit. He's a great kid. He's a nice kid. All of that's very real, but there is also this, this, this competitive streak to him. That is also very, very real. Well, I, that's what I loved last night. Well, obviously he knew Embiid wasn't playing. You, you knew you needed to win. You know, obviously he'd been kind of, he was kind of fresh because he hadn't played in a few games. He immediately was in attack mode. Like there wasn't any letting the game come. He was from the jump, man, launching on the bum ankle at that. Rob, remember the bump, like the, the bump, the bum ankle too. Yeah, he's coming <laughs> off a bad ankle, right? Yeah. But, but it, it, there was no doubt he was basically, and, and and I agree. A lot of other guys contributed, and Tobias had a great game. But he was in the mode of I'm carrying this thing tonight. Yes. I love that about him. That's a superstar mentality. Like it really is. Um and. And like again, I, I do think I think that's that is that is the competitive side of him. That is him wanting to be great. And it's it's funny, Rob, because like I look back that draft. Um, I love them coming out. I love them in Kentucky. I saw that speed, and I thought that's game changing type of speed. Um, his athleticism, the shot, yeah, it wasn't great, but I saw like the shot wasn't broken. I watched him. You know, he hit free throws. Like he he had decent form. He just didn't shoot the three ball particularly well in his one year at Kentucky. Didn't even get an NCAA tournament. So I remember the outlet I was running for at the time, I did draft previews. I didn't even bother to do him because I thought there was no possible way right. he would get to 21. 
Um, but lo and behold, he does. And it's it, it's it's not hyperbolic to say like it's it, it changed the entire fortunes of this franchise that they Absolutely. were able to take him. Um, Mike Muscala hitting a shot in the bubble has changed the entire trajectory of the Sixers because <laughs> this would be a, a completely different conversation right now if we're talking about Joel Embiid possibly, you know, missing a significant amount of time that you know with a torn meniscus, and there is no Tyrese Maxey here. This is all doom and gloom. And again, even even if let's say Tyrese, like you know, speaking of just last night and his mentality of you know wanting to take the game over, wanting to be aggressive, if he just has an okay game and they lose. The vibes today are are horrendous. Like we're like everything. The city is just so down because of the MB news, because they lost five in a row, because they're behind the Knicks and the Cavs now. But because Maxi goes in there, he salvages a game. He's so great in that game. It just gives you that like little tiny shred of hope and a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And I that's almost like a microcosm for like his presence here. Is like it's just it gives you you know seeing him, watching him, the the play on the court, the, the, the character off the court, it just gives you a, a feeling of th- that this franchise, you know, no matter what happens with Joel Embiid in the future, if Tyrese Maxey is here, this, this franchise has a, a promising future. Yeah. You touched on it right there. The fact that Maxey, when he came into the league, you know, the shot was a little, was a little, was a little funny, but every year, what stands out to me about his game more than anything is the constant growth the the, uh, the constant will to um, elevate his game and just being that gym rat going from averaging eight points a game to 17 and a half to 20 now to 26. It's just this, this, this is, this guy just truly understands what it takes to play at the NFL. I mean, well, the end of the NBA level, excuse me. And um, I love everything. I love everything about it. I mean, speak on just um, watching his, watching his arc, watching that growth from year one up until now, the maturity, um, the aggression, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, give me, give me your perspective on that. Yeah. I think it goes back to, like I said, like him, just, he just wants to be great. Like, a- and he's willing to listen. He's the most coachable player. I-, I think I've ever, like, at least when you hear other, you know, when you heard doc rivers talk about him, when you hear Nick nurse talk about him, when you hear, you know, when Sam Cassell was here, when you hear all these people talk about him, like he is just so coachable. He wants to absorb everything. Um, you know, we worked with drew Hanlon over the summer, you know, Joel and B recommended him to, to work with him. And you see, the, the little the, like that step back three that is just so yeah. lethal. It's just it's an unguardable shot when you have to guard against his speed of him blowing right by you. You can't then also guard the three point line. It makes him one of the most difficult players to guard in, in the NBA. And I, I, I you know, like like I said, I, I never felt like the shot was broken. Right. Uh, with that said, I didn't think he would become one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. <laughs> and look, I'm um, sorry, not to interrupt, but is yeah. it fair to say that this may be blasphemous to some people because James Harden, that, that whole saga was a little strange. But is it fair to say that that was maybe one of the best things to happen to him? Because he, you know, being next to a guy like James Harden, a guy who's been that lethal, you can kind of pick up on just what it takes to be the guy at the guard position. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt that James Harden helped Tyrese. I mean, Tyrese Maxey will tell you that. I mean, he, James Harden... Really did. I mean, James Harden and, and Tyrese Maxey had a great relationship. You could tell that Harden really took Maxey under his wing, and, and he really wanted him to be great too. Like, I, I know everything was – it ended really sour with, with James Harden, but, like, was he did do here. a lot of good when he was here, and, like, they did come pretty close to getting into the Eastern Conference Finals with him. Um, I'll leave it at that. But, like, yeah. but I do think, yeah, like, Tyrese Maxey, um, I think James Harden certainly helped his growth. Uh, and I and I, it goes back to again. He will listen to anyone. He will absorb everything around him because he wants to be great. 
All right, Paul, check out Paul's work. And, and, and again, Liberty Ballers does an amazing job uh, covering the Sixers, but also on X slash Twitter at Paul Hudrick, but LibertyBallers.com. Paul, keep up the good work, man. It's good catching up with you. We really appreciate a couple minutes. Thank you, Paul. Thank we appreciate you, it. Man. Thank you. Well, likewise, guys. Thank you so much for having me. All right, man. Have a good weekend. Thanks. All right, Tone, we are out of time. Thanks to everybody in the chat, everybody streaming, everybody listening. Hell don't of a show, anywhere. Ari. Hell of a show. You too, you too my friend. Uh, don't go anywhere because Tone will be with Dan for the National Football Show. Dan Cilio, everybody, enjoy your weekend. Tone, always a pleasure, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Everybody take care.